Now entering Nerdist.com. You made it with, you made it with, you made it with. What's happening, weirdos? An amazing episode with just the, uh, what's, the what's the right word? Incomparable, amazing, hilarious, incredibly talented Tim Minchin, who I had the privilege of seeing live at uh, Largo here in L.A. I, I didn't even know he was on the show, and, and I was blown away and quickly became obsessed with his uh, YouTube videos and, and his special, uh, which I watched after this. Uh, but you'll see. It's, it's amazing. you got to look him up. If you're not familiar, if you are familiar, you know that he is uh, just brilliant. Uh, so let's get into it. There is no ad. Uh, I just want to say thank you to everybody that's been coming out. Montreal was amazing most recently. Coming up is San Francisco and then Houston, Dallas, uh, Chicago. Chicago. Uh, Toronto, and then Utah. All of those are available on PeteHolmes.com. And you can also get t-shirts. We have from the Rhea Butcher episode, Eat Lead Cobra, which is my favorite uh, new shirt. You got Prince. Petey is my homeboy. Piano Keys. There's also the uh, Fantastic Mr. Fox t-shirt and the Truman Show shirt. Those are all on PeteHolmes.com as well as the tour dates. I hope to see you guys out on the road. Uh, A lot of live podcasts coming up. They've been great so far. And uh, hope to see you out there. And in the meantime, please enjoy the wonderful Tim Minchin. Get into it. Minchie! <laughs> Hello, Minchies. Come on in. It's a treehouse. It's a treehouse of love and safety and goodness. Is that your boy? Yeah, that's... I didn't know you had a small boy. I've got a small boy and a small girl. And a small girl! Yeah, I'm smashing it with the braiding. <laughs> I wore a hat today. Uh, yeah, well, how's that going? I don't know. I go through phases where I think I should be a guy who wears hats. You can pull this off. And then, but then as the hair gets drier, I look like a clown. What do you do with long hair? I had long, not, not as long as yours, but in high school I had longer hair, and I couldn't wash it. Do you, can, I, I don't wash is, it too much. Yeah, this isn't an expose. This is trying, my, to, this trying is to get you to admit that you're unclean. <laughs> I don't wash my hair much, although I have washed it in the last uh, 36 hours, so you've uh, got me on a good day. <laughs> or a bad day. Or a bad day, yeah. doesn't that make it soft. garbage, and doesn't that bring us to the hat? Yeah, the hat is there to keep it from being too foofy, yeah. Well, I had to, uh, this is a, an obnoxious way to start, but I had to think when you were walking in, you were wearing a hat, I was like, I wonder if you, you're, you're a noticeable kind of fellow, meaning you, you're, you would Am kind I of, wearing a famous man's hat? Yeah, are you wearing a famous man's hat? And, and you know, that's not uh, strange, I suppose, to consider that you might wear a hat to not be full mention. I think if I was <laughs> wearing a famous man's hat in L.A., that would be more about my hopes and dreams than the truth of the situation. More like, I remember I used to, this is embarrassing, but let's get into it. I used to come to L.A. completely with nothing that I've yeah. ever done, and I'd wear sunglasses and pre- like kind of mm. catch myself pretending that I was wearing them because I was yeah. famous. But um, but no no I don't get recognized in LA <laughs> uh, very rarely uh, really um, uh, but uh, yeah no that that's one of the great things about moving here actually is are I, you here now yeah I'm here I didn't know I thought I was catching you on some sort of trip no eighteen months I've been here no I've just been avoiding you Pedro <laughs> <laughs> just very quietly tiptoeing around people like you isn't it funny that people do think about themselves more than people people think that people are thinking about them more than they actually are. Meaning, you're making a joke, 
But it's not outside the realm of possibility that I would be like, you were avoiding me, even though that's completely self-centered. But aren't people that way? Well, I don't. It would be weird if I was avoiding you, given how little I know you. Yeah. I mean, that would almost be a sort of reverse stalkerism to go, you know, I'm avoiding you. And you're like, dude, I don't. You don't know me. You don't need to avoid me. Like That's really the, funny. Avoidance is the natural state. Why are you creeping around avoiding me? <laughs> this is getting weird. That's actually a very empowered stalker to be like, yeah. I'm not chasing you. I'm avoiding yeah. you. And, who are, who are you? <laughs> yeah. And you could keep dropping them hints that you yeah. Yeah, haven't yeah. seen me in a while, have you? Yeah, totally. It's been working out. I That's keep a kind of dirty stalking. Yeah, that could freak someone out. <laughs> so what, what prompted the move? First um, of all, can I just say, I never say this up top, but I'm so delighted that you're on. Oh, well, usually you save it to the end and see how it goes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you I don't withhold say your anything. compliments. No, man, I was watching. First of all, I saw you at Largo, and I was just so blown away. And you're one of those guys. I, I believe we were in Melbourne at the same time, yeah. and I just never saw you. I was like a fool, yeah. like a fool. Yeah, all these years you could have been watching me more. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, you know, I know we've sort of rotated around each other, but that happens a lot in this industry, and it's quite nice. I think you you have all these. There's a lot of nice people in this industry and you don't i think one of the problems with it is when you're all too tight and you all get especially in comedy squeezes some of the mystery out too well yeah and so i when you tour a lot and i think maybe you've been in montreal at the same time or something and you just bump into people and it's quite nice and then then you naturally see people more if you're in the same city it's it's good but yeah i haven't i hadn't seen you do a set until that night oh is that right i didn't remember that i did a set that i did do a set that night Mm mm-hmm Oh, yeah, how? you absolutely did. Oh, well, thank oh, you. Oh, unless it was, there's two nights we No, 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 that, I wasn't calling you on facts. I was, I, I'm just, uh, I'm, I'm glad you've seen Your me own perform. amnesia. You, <laughs> but you were so tremendous, and then, and then, uh, Valerie, my girlfriend, loved you as well. Everybody loved you. And, uh, and then I watched, uh, some clips this morning, and oh, I really God. enjoyed it, man. I was blown away. Yeah, well, I, thanks. I yeah. hope, I hope you get to come and see me do a full, I would love a to. A full thing, because it's, a, as always, when you're a, uh, comedian or performer or whatever, people see bits and pieces and you think, well, that's great, and I'm glad you've seen bits and pieces, but really right. it's about trapping you in a room for 80 minutes and sure. manipulating your feelings. For for that long. Yeah. Because you, you I like, don't come from a club background. It was you seem always, like a theatre man. Yeah, it was always shows. Yeah. But then again, my because I'm a musical comedian, uh, although I don't... I hate that phrase, but there's no denying yeah, you, it. You transcended, um, though. You really do. I, 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 I'm a cabaret artist. <laughs> you're like a Bo Burnham, and I'm, I'm sorry if you get that a lot, but Bo is one of my absolute favorites. Bo is, I'm a huge fan. Okay, good. And, and he's I, a very good friend. And me. I've never, ever, ever, ever considered uh, Bo or you a, a musical comedian, even though you well, are yeah, literally a music comedian. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, it, the, the term musical comedian is no insult, really. It's just that it clumps you in with a whole lot of different styles of that, from sort of right. end, end of the pier ukulele and racism sort of stuff <laughs> through to um, what Weird Al does, who's the most sure. famous musical comedian, I guess, which is song parody, right. which someone like me and Bo, although we love him, it, it's so the opposite of... The, right. the idea of replacing lyrics is just... It's, we, I start from a songwriting basis. I was a songwriter long before I was a comedian, so... Right. And I write reasonably complex songs. But then there are people... Yes, you do. But the thing that I think uh, ruffles so, comedians' feathers, and they don't... I'll speak frankly. They don't yeah. typically, typically like musical no. comedians. And I've said this a million times, but I want to put it to you, is that you're, you're manipulating a form. There's songs, yeah. and it sounds like a love song. And then you say, fart. 
Yeah. And it's like, hey, there's it's an easy way to establish a violation as opposed to the natural or musicless comedian yeah. who's trying to do it in a more subtle way, I suppose. I suppose, although it's just a different system. You yeah, know, we don't have to change it, I, I mean, <laughs> I, uh, stand-up comedy at its worst is um, formulaic subversion of expectations and yeah. music comedy. I mean, there's... I, I don't analyse any of it. I, I don't come from a comedy background. I had never seen a live stand-up comedian before I started doing it. Really? Like, it just... There was not really a comedy scene in, in the town I came from. And Which was? Perth, Western Australia. I mean, there was, but it was, like, one pub on one corner, one night a week sort of thing. Right. I guess I'd seen little bits, but I'd never seen a, a comedian do a full show, and I come from a music background. And so I, I suppose... What I do is absolutely a clash of um, content and with form. Right. You know, the form is, oh, this is a swing tune and it should go like that, and the content is incredibly sweary or right. s- apparently racist until it's not or, right, right, right. or whatever. But um, like all forms, I guess there's uh, a sort of... Um, Sim- simple version of yeah. musical comedy, and then it can be taken all the way to. And and I and to be clear, I did comedy for five years. Basically, yeah. I started comedy in well seven, say. Started comedy in two thousand and four. No one came to watch till two thousand and five, where I was doing like two hundred seat venues. By two thousand and ten, I was touring with a symphony orchestra into arenas. Yeah, and that was my last tour. And since then, I've just done a, the odd bit. So it was literally this little journey from cabaret to how far can I push this genre? Because in England at the time where I was living, um, comedy's huge in England. It's total rock and roll. And there are 20 or 30 comedians now who tour into five to 10,000 seat venues. Mm. And I got to that stage, but I didn't want to just be a... Com- I think that's an absurd form to stand with a microphone with two massive screens in front of 10,000 people. It just doesn't... That that's right. just making money, right? <laughs> that, that's that's why you do that. Or or the, the no, you're absolutely right. You're or losing satisfying something. a big audience, I guess, is another way to put it. But and being in a huge room with a lot of people laughing at the same time is it's is like, a buzz. It's like calling your mom instead of visiting your mom. Yeah, that's right. I mean, it's <laughs> it's hugely. So when I got into those venues, I went, well, how do I? Is it possible that I make what I felt would was kind of the first, or at least one of the first? comedy shows that necessitates a room this size mm. and what would that be so i got a 55 piece orchestra <laughs> and we toured that and it was massive same orchestra i know that's a dumb question but allow it yeah same orchestra you, because that's a lot of people to travel yeah in, in england you you can do it, it was, oh i see it was buses they yeah. were getting paid terribly yeah and all my promoters who were like yes you've got to the point where you can really bring home some cash now and i'm like no we're going to spend it on the gig you know yeah yeah, and yeah. so we didn't make much money but it was um I, it was a great it was so, so sorry this just sounds like an indulgent uh exposition of my career the point the point i'm making is that's where you are my yeah friend. that's right we're at a podcast we're talking about me uh, we'll talk about you in a minute no um, no no the, no the point of what i was making is musical comedy is as good as it is just like comedy is as good as it is doesn't matter how much you can point and go he's just doing that yeah you know the 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 my show that's on netflix here that people can see which is the the orchestra show yeah is an absurd pushing out of the boundary of how far you can take that clash between content and form. So that's filmed at the Royal Albert Hall with a with a massive symphony orchestra 
and I'm singing the Pope song, which has the word fuck in it 247 times in three minutes or whatever, and, and it's beautiful. I mean, the, the playing is, 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 is incredible, and the room is incredible, and yeah. the audience are sitting there on their red flush, plush velvet chairs, and what I'm saying has a great deal of anger and science and logic in it, yeah. and it's just the clash between content and form is taken to, I'm, I like to think... A, a degree that transcends the problems with the form. I, with, with yeah, maybe, yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe. That was my attempt, but then no, I sort I of slightly na- retired. No, <laughs> you didn't retire, and you nailed it when, when you said there, there's good versions and there's bad versions, yeah. but everybody's up to something. Yeah, that's right. Everyone's playing a But it's, it certainly is more obvious when you see a musical comedian. And, I, and you're, you've actually kind of exposed my own ignorance, I think, but, but which I is a good feeling. I don't... I had never th- thought that. When you said um, people go, oh, it's meant to be a love song, and then you say fart, I, I literally have never thought that. I haven't thought about that. Yeah. Because I don't think about musical comedy. I don't watch other musical comedians except people I meet. So I, well, I've the- seen Reggie Watts and Bo Burnham and Beardy Man, and these guys are right. not right, right, right. end-of-the-peer comics. Right, right, right. So I actually have never analysed my peer. form. Well, you know, this is the anger or the emotional attachment from where I'm uh, sitting <laughs> is uh, being a comedian who's had to follow that guy. And if oh, you're yes. in a rowdy bar, yeah. he'll destroy. Yeah. Because he's up there with, with Magic mm. Toy. Yeah. And again, I'm not speaking... And it's louder and it's... Oh, no, but I... I'm... And it forces commitment. Musical improv is the same thing. You have to be like, I'm a nun, I'm a nun, I'm a... You know, so like, yeah. it ma- that's and funny. It isn't very fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I can't fuck, <laughs> I can't drink, I can't smoke. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, I, I actually had a punchline there that I just didn't do. I should have done it. Couldn't fuck a bloke? Um, yeah, it was more something about music and jokes. But um, <laughs> uh, the that's absolutely true. Yeah. And so... That's why I don't. I've never done clubs, and I don't. But but when I do shared bills, which I do here more than anywhere, because I'm just trying to keep my chops up while I do other stuff. Right. Um, I always go on last. Yeah. Or at the end of the first act, because it's stupid to follow. Even though, almost without exception, the comics I'm on the bill with are brilliant. Right. And you know the idea that they can't follow me is absurd because right. they're so brilliant. But, but it's, 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 just a pain in the, it's just a pain in the ass. It's ice cream. Yeah. It just is ice yeah. cream. Yeah. doesn't mean the prime rib wasn't great. No. Ice cream just goes at the end. We yeah. like it at the end. It goes at the end. And I, I, I'm softening. I'm only trying to represent the angst. Well, I don't uh, really have it as but much. But I, 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 I don't know if I like comedy most of the time. I, I mean, love it. So <laughs> I love that. I hate comedy. I mean, 90, 90% of, it, of the time. But, but yeah. that's all right. You yeah, know, sure. I don't like most music. Yeah. Um, I also hate music and I want to talk about that because you talk about how you can't listen to pop music because the lyrics annoy you. But I, but I love... But then again, I love people making art, and I love yes. that it's out there, and I love it people go to the theatre. Our liking it. it doesn't need me to be a huge fan of everything, no. and I don't need to resent people who do something different for me or yeah. do something like like the Weird Al thing. I mean, if you say that people go, "Oh, so you like Weird Al?" I go, "Oh, yeah, no." But it's not like, but I love Weird Al. It's yeah, just, sure. it's just you you can defend your form without attacking everyone else's. And you can defend your form without identifying with your form or making them yeah. identify with their forms. Everybody's just doing what So when you come to one of my shows, you get me. And that happens to be something that is different from pretty much anything, I think, going on in the world at the moment. And that's an okay thing. Yeah. And if you also enjoy it as well as think it's different, then, you know, th- th- I am in the same world as Bo, but Bo's a, Bo's a 
or Bo Pro- is prodigy. Yeah. Um, but I, you know, I sometimes go on at the Lago and do 15 minutes of stand up and don't touch the piano. Yeah, sure. And I'm arguably okay at that. Well, actually, one of my but favorite things that you did was your beat poem, which I watched. Oh, which yeah. I, well, then there's, I, a, then I was, there's in between stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was it. That was certainly in between. But I was like, that's what really made me think of, of uh, Bo when I watched that in, oh, yeah. in that high compliment. I was like, yeah. this motherfucker is just spilling talent. And we love that. Did, I saw the David well, Foster a Wallace bit of a magic movie. trick. Yeah. yeah. Oh, what's it? Go. No, no. I just mean, like, w- w- comedy is magic. It's like, oh, I'm hiding something and I'm revealing it. And yeah. music comedy does another thing, which is, oh, I'm holding something and revealing it and by the way i'm not looking at the keys and because right. what Bo has is um is virtuosity in his spoken word and his beats and stuff and i and and the exploitation of virtuosity i'm using that word in, in inverted commas because what i mean is trying to like a magician uses virtuosity even though it's all simple tricks but they actually have to practice their craft their prestidigitation mm-hmm. in order to do the tricks it's not simple it takes hours and hours and hours and hours and hours of craft mm-hmm. but it's just a trick mm-hmm. and 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 comedians hmm. uh, especially like 90s comedians in britain um you know t-shirt and jeans mumble mumble i hate myself comedians which is a brilliant form in itself they hate showing off mm. and so i am all about Oh, I was certainly earlier in my career. It's all about showing off. It's Showmanship. Like, oh, you thought you thought that was good. Oh, by the way, I can do this as well. And right. it's like I want the audience to go, "Fuck yeah!" Well, I mean, what did we just watch? Right. It's nothing to do with comedy or. It, sometimes my audiences, I did a bit in the orchestra show, again, in front of thousands and thousands of people, where I have a copy of the Quran and a cap- copy of Harry Potter, and the whole uh, and the whole audience is just a silent. You yeah. know, like for five minutes, and actually, there's no punchline at the end except a, a lecture about about sacredness, and it was about burning books, and and it goes into it's absolutely. I don't give a shit if yeah. going five minutes without getting a laugh is not done in comedy. It's just you're just going to see what I've got to offer, and that and and when you're coming up through whatever your form is, you, you have this need to feel like you're competing and stuff, but eventually, and it's easier if you get some success, obviously, you just go, oh, it's not a competition, it's an offer. Yeah. It's just an offer. I'm throwing my shit into this pool of stuff people do. And inviting people and to watch if people want to come and yeah. see, they can, and if they don't, they can't, and if they don't, then I'll go broke and I'll have to find another job. Yeah, but you see, that's the, that's the brilliant attitude. I really, I really think, like, a lot of us go up wanting to manipulate, persuade, be, be mm. functional, practical... You know, make it work. And, and there's a time for do your job. And I'm sure even there are nights where you have to go, I have to do my job. I don't feel silly. I don't feel like yeah. being a oh spectacle. Oh, my God. No, never. Yeah. And I am hugely strict. I don't yeah. I do not do anything that's not about them. Right. Like, I'm there to entertain. Sure, 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 sure. Or educate or whatever my I just mean, but you're doing it authentically while at this. It's kind of, uh, they're not contradictory, but you're, you're no. doing what you want to do. Yeah. But you're doing it in a way that you're so disciplined that you're really sculpting it and honing it and yeah. sandpapering it down to a point where they have a good shot at enjoying it. Yeah, they really do. And, and <laughs> you know, and that's... And I'm lucky, and it's much easier to be um, circumspect and non-jealous and non-judgmental when you've, when you've done okay. Isn't that brilliant? It was much, much harder early on. Yeah. It was, I, actually I understand it. why people are so judgmental of other people's Well, I'll tell you... I don't. I don't know your origin story, and I, I'm not that. I'm not that overly interested in no. it. But I know people that are listening. When you told your story, said you went from cabarets. Mm. A year later, you're doing 200 seat. Right? Is that mm. what you said? Mm-hmm. 
people, I, I'm sure a lot of comedians listen to this are probably like, what the fuck, is, is that just London? I'm sure some of them just went, that must be what London's like. Yeah. If I were in London, could you talk, talk about that a little bit? Yeah, I mean, it's, it isn't interesting, is it, um, particularly? But, <laughs> but I, I, I did Melbourne Comedy Festival and went to Edinburgh Fringe. Okay, so how did you... So I, believe me, I mm. know. I've done, I've done <laughs> that festival. I just want to know... I'm asking for people. How did you get that? That seems like a, something that we've glazed over. Well, you're playing in you're playing local shows. I, I, you're I, banging your bare feet on I the ground. I was doing I was doing a little cabaret <laughs> venue in South Melbourne. I paid for a venue yeah. in a university. I paid to have a grand piano. I couldn't afford it. I did all my own flyering, all my own flyers, all that story. From beginning of the Melbourne Comedy Festival 2005, I had uh, 50 people in. By the end I had 250 and with two shows to go, one of the bookers in Edinburgh came with the head of the Melbourne Comedy Festival, oh. and they kind of went, oh, because by then, despite the fact I was very new to comedy, I had been a professional musician and actor for 10 years. Yeah, there you go. So it was quite, well, not a successful one, but a, a working musician and a, sure. and a mostly out-of-work I'll part. settle in your yeah. attic playing with puppets, you know, yeah. doing yeah. something where yeah. you're, like, but pouring co-op, yourself co-op out. Co-op theatre and hundreds, of, well, dozens of songs for yeah. theatre yeah. and... And 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 you know doing, what I meant by that? I didn't mean to be no, little. I meant like no, absolutely. As long as you're doing something it's, it's creative, the hours. yeah, yeah, yeah no, it's the hours. So, so I I had done some hours. So I think, and but because I come from a theatre background, I played a lot of cabaret, and I was competent at the piano. Um, and and lyrically, I'm sort of dense, and I, it's just it looked like a. I think now I look back on it, it must have looked to these people like they'd missed something because it was fully formed. Mm. You know, like, it looked fully formed. It was a, it was a, it was an, a 70-minute-long show. I had a look yeah. that I had developed, but no one saw it beca- in progress. Right. It, I, just, I just popped out. It's like in Inside Lewin Davis. He's like, you're not supposed to release your early shit. It destroys mystique. Do you remember when he said that? I, I, I love that line, and it's, and it's the greatest, in hindsight, what I thought was my greatest disadvantage, which is coming from Perth where there is no yeah. ladders. There's no ladders out of there. There's no, not from a comedy background. You know, the thing, being so isolated and unobserved for so long. Yeah. I mean, I did lots of stuff. It went, it went fine, but in tiny, tiny, right. on a tiny scale and kind of co-op and youth theatre and stuff like that. Right. So by the time I got to Edinburgh... The, this um, Karen Corrin, who runs one of the venues there, someone dropped out of her main room. Mm. So when you go to Edinburgh first, there's hundreds and hundreds of shows. It's insanely competitive. And you getting sticking out from the pack is uh, uh, very, very unlikely. Mm. Unless something happens like you're, you're meant to be in a 100-seat room, but I'm insisting on a grand piano because that's a prop. Mm-hmm. It's how the show works, is to have this grand instrument and then someone smashing into it and swearing. You know, that's mm-hmm. part of <laughs> the construct. Yeah. And the Elton John. The Elton, the sort of anti-Elton of <laughs> yeah. it all, you know. <laughs> the anti-Elton. And the anti-Elton, the, the devil's Elton. It sounds like something you would call, like a homophobic person would call yeah, it, that's like a... Auntie Elton. <laughs> but it's Annie like Auntie El- Elton. Oh, old Annie Elton. <laughs> um, and, and then someone dropped out of our main room, so she took this big risk and put me in. What was a, a small room na- now is a 350-seater, but I, yeah. went, I went with no reputation whatsoever to do 28 shows in 30 nights in a 350-seater. And so we That just, had to be bittersweet. You were like, yay, and also, oh, yeah, shit, oh, like, how shit, do I fill gonna, it? Yeah, and so my sister and I went over there two weeks before and were giving free tickets to hairdressers, and we just did it. 
as hard as we could. And we just So the free tickets at first to kind of get some buzz going. I hate paper, that word. We but papered you know the mean. whole first week. Yeah. You know this yeah. phrase papering is no. an English phrase. So to to paper a theatre is to give away tickets to fill it. Yeah. In the hope that word of mouth. If you believe in what you've got, the give biggest the biggest mistake you can do is charge early in a season like that. If you're trying to make a reputation, just get people there. You've got to think long-term on yeah, this stuff. Yeah, yeah, you know? interesting. So we just papered the hell out of the first week, and because the word on the street was good, the reviewers came, which is very hard in Edinburgh to get the main papers to come. And by the end of the first week, I'd had these reviews. And so that was... And then by the following year, I'd played a variety show with Mariah Carey in the Albert Hall. Like, it was like that. <laughs> Um, because it was just something that in England is, belongs to a, an old era. I didn't know that you weren't meant to do razzle-dazzle. <laughs> I just didn't know that, that the Edinburgh Fringe, it's all about being super cool, stand-up, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I just thought, oh, you know, I, I will make up and had this white piano and I, there were lighting cues for every moment of the show and I'd fall off physical comedy like I fell off the front of this. This stage was five and a half foot. I did this gag where I fell off the front of the stage at the very beginning of the show, like it's high status, low status like that. And, and I didn't, and I didn't, and I saw this stage and I went, oh shit, it's six foot tall. Oh well, got to do the gag. So I like got this massive big lump in my knee because I did it night after night after night. And it just, it was just, it was like variety. And yet very sweary, yeah. saying stuff about religion you're not allowed to say. Right. So it was like cabaret with as much edge as anything. And substance that, that gave people enough permission to go, this is something. Because pure silliness on its own, people might write it off. Oh, of course. Right. And I'm not, I'm not virtuosic in my silliness enough to get away with a show that's all physical comedy. It's not, yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. not my background. But, but I, the, the thing is no one had ever... I don't think anyone had seen, not for a long time, someone who's a um, professional-level musician swearing about God and falling off the front of a stage. It was just this thing that I had <laughs> What did he say developed. before he fell? What was uh, the high was status like, part? It was like this big intro, that, that um, <laughs> this big backing track intro where I don't say anything. I'm just standing there doing tiny movements and then it cranks into this thing and I go into this big head-banging stuff and then just fall off the front of the stage. <laughs> And the track just stops. And I just crawl. Rolling laugh. Big laugh. Big laugh. Or just like, sort of like, is this the show? And then I like grab myself back up. And then I go and play this, one of my very early songs, which is called Inflatable You, which is exactly what you said. It's meant to be a love song, but it's this fart. Um, (laughs) That, wait, come on. That sounds like I don't like it. It's, no, no, but it is. It it is very old school, but it started very low status piano. So all I'd done is walked on stage, done weird eyes, fallen off, crawled back up and gone up and Going pom 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 pom, and it goes for three and a half minutes. And the audience, who knew nothing about me at that stage, are like, "Okay, so he's like a wacky guy, and he can sort of play piano, and he's doing funny rhymes about an inflatable doll." Yeah. And then at about four minutes, so by then we're seven minutes into the show. I did a sort of improv free jazz solo. Yeah. And, and everyone's like, had to reassess. It's like when point. Steve Martin would do a banjo solo. It reminds totally. me, and, and you're just like, "Holy!" And he he goes, "Hey, this which guy comes is back good. to the magic trick and the reason it's cheating." Except not everyone can do it, so fuck you. And also, we're all cheating. Yes. Yeah. So so I I didn't I didn't <laughs> not go. Everyone can do it, so fuck you. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> it would be cheating if if it didn't take hours and ten thousand yeah. hours of yeah, work. But yeah. I don't think there's many stand-ups out there who are quite 
reasonable musicians not exploiting that part of their That's skills. right. And if they are, they're stupid. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's similar to not having a podcast. Zach Galvanakis <laughs> doesn't play piano anymore, but... Um, yeah. He doesn't need to. But he did, didn't he? He's one of the great... He doesn't alternative. need to. Like, I think of... he would do it if he needed the I cash. Love... <laughs> <laughs> I just got Paul, myself Paul's being that. stupid. <laughs> no, he doesn't. I, I mean, he... He was a brilliant alternative comedian before he sold out, to use his own words. And but he played piano because why the fuck not? Or, yeah, yeah, or Dimit- yeah, Dimitri on his, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like it's speaking of Dimitri, that he had that great quote uh, to me. I say it as if you are also living my life. Yes, remember that great. Yeah, quote? remember when we read that Dimitri quote together <laughs> and we looked at each other and smiled. You weren't there. How <laughs> um, I was avoiding you. I was. I was. I was. Uh, Barking, so handing out flyers just to do spots, not for my own show, just to go up at the end of a club, and um, you know, it's a shitty thing. It's a, yeah. It's a, yeah you want to kill yourself in the face. Yeah, yeah. You want to kill yourself in the face every night, and uh, I went in to the comedy cellar, which is where I thought I wanted to be, and uh-huh. Dimitri was there you for some reason. No, I don't want to be there. Still, uh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, he goes, um, he goes, anonymity is power. That's the thing he said to me. He was like, he's like, now I'm stuck. I'm this guy. He didn't even say that, but that is kind of what he meant, right? It's kind of why it's what. Yes, I mean, I it it it, when I the why I love Largo is people come to see someone else and they get a bit of me and they don't know who I am, and it's absolutely all you ever want is an audience with zero expectations. Mm. Especially if I do ten minutes of stand up up top and sort of go to the piano as if it's an afterthought, right? And it's such a joy, and it's very indulgent, but, but you're that's free. what I want. I want to be able to play all my tricks without them seeing it coming. And because I've not written new material for so long, with my solo shows, I can't even play my songs without them knowing the punchlines, you right. Know, right, right, let right. alone reveal that I can play. <laughs> or, you know, all those things. They know on. from the first three notes which song you're going to play and how totally. it Totally, and they sometimes yell out the punchlines, and it's a disaster. Is but, that right? Uh, yeah, isn't but it's a, my fault. But. Isn't that a big thing in uh, London and maybe Australia, I'm not sure, where you get the a little bit more interaction from the crowd? Um, or is that well, not- I thought that was an American club thing. Really? really? The heckling, you mean? Oh, I don't even mean heckling. I just mean like, get oh, on with it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Wait, that's a heckle. <laughs> Island, Island. Like I, a little I, tougher. Dublin, I find. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but it's joyous. But Edinburgh, Edinburgh. I mean, Edinburgh. That's that way, big shark time? pit. I mean, I, there are I, certain rooms at certain times, like midnight at the Gilded Balloon or at the Underbelly, where you don't go if you're not. I mean, that's why. If you don't want to play. That's what that gig is. Yeah. That's what John Oliver uh, loves that, yes. for example. He, he wants the sparring. He wants to play. And American but I comedians, mean that's bullshit as well. Tell me why. Sorry, to finish your thoughts. No, I was just going to say that Americans are coached. It's like it's, it's kind of a cultural thing. They're not, it's not malicious necessarily. Even Except if, it is. It, and I guess this is why I say it's <laughs> bullshit. It's like what, there are comedians who are great at doing it. People like, so what's your best heckle? Like, people are obsessed by comedians who... Put, put down hecklers. I mean, Jim Jeffries' entire career in this country. Jim Jeffries. Jim Jeffries. <laughs> which is a Kiwi accent. I don't know why we always do Kiwi accents. Jim, Jim's entire career is built on a, someone coming and punching him in the head from the audience. I mean, he's also very, very good. Yeah. But his breakout here was because of a YouTube vid that got 15 million hits or whatever. Did it? Of a guy up north in England, like get him calling his, saying something about being a pedo or something, and some bloke got up and just punched him. Wow. It wasn't very dramatic, but it's the that was a video you'd want to watch, right? Yeah, sure, You're now yeah. going to go and watch yeah, it. Yeah, well. 
Um, I don't think so. And, but since, but since <laughs> then, like Jim, Jim's also <laughs> Jim's also done bits that, like recently, his gun control bits been going around again. Yeah, um, it, it's a it's the bit that never. It's like every time Israel and Palestine go each other, my my peace anthem for Palestine gets traction. It's good business to write a song about a problem that's never going to be solved, like yeah. gun, gun control or oh, that's interesting, or Jews and and Arabs. <laughs> um, uh, and then we just have three minutes of dead air. Huh. <laughs> but, uh, uh, yes. We were also talking about anonymity being power. And I kind of interrupted you with the don't British people yell. Oh, yeah, no. Uh, well, no, the heckling. I, I was saying the heckling's bullshit because oh, yeah. it, it's slightly. Um, no, it's not. It's, it's a form in itself, but it's. It's formulaic as well to have someone oh, sure. heckle, but you're the one with the mic, and you, you know there's you can just learn twenty comebacks if you want, and that's right. what most of the good heckle people do. But then again, the greatest joy of being a comedian is when shit goes off piste. I mean, isn't it like the best shows I've ever had for me? Yeah, are when I start improvising and it goes and goes and goes, and the audience is just rolling. Yeah, and you're just. On something and yep. it just you can't again to bring up Steve Martin where where he's doing the joke of uh, he goes I got a new stereo and he starts explaining it's like a it's like a stupid joke about yeah. how complicated the stereo yeah. is <laughs> and he's like uh, I got the quad speakers I can't even do the lingo but he's like but that wasn't really the sound I was looking for so I got the uh, double quad speakers but then he fucks it up so then he starts the longest joke ever over Brilliant. and then he keeps doing this because I think. I wouldn't be shocked if he does it on purpose, but it's seems... the first time he wouldn't have. Yeah, I mean, I one of my favorite bits I did. I, I think it might have been recorded. That shows, I, um, like my songs have um, like two titles. They've got the title I introduce them as, and the title which is the punchline, which is how I think of them in my head. Right. right so, right. so I've got a song called Tumor, but the song's called You Grew on Me because it's all set up to be a love song about how love creeps up on you, and this is a right. song about that creepy uppy kind of love. And then the first line is You Grew on Me. Like a tumor, which is love song fart, right? But, um, but the whole thing, and then it stretches, and like all my songs, it takes the the idea to the nth degree, and so it, the whole song sits as disease and love in parallel, um, right? And it sort of pays off, but um, no, I, but I, in, I you played that song and I loved it. In my head, tumor is the name of the song, and some, and I, um, it might have been that song. No, it wasn't. It was something where the punchline's at the very, very end, and I introduced it with the punchline, mm. and then I had, and then I just did like ten minutes of how I couldn't start this song because singing I've, about it. No, no, just like talking, <laughs> starting the song, stopping. Just I can't. Uh, you know the punchline. I mean, this is a complete waste of time. Just deconstructing the fact that they are sitting there <laughs> and that I've blown the thing, and it, you know, and it just. It's so joyous. <laughs> but I don't know. But it's the resisting. I Here's know. an amateur comedian to me is he's doing his bit and he's like, cornflakes, uh, where's the corn? Yeah. It tastes like some sort of bread. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. And someone. It's a good bit, man. <laughs> you salty dog. I knew you were going to hit me when I was weak. I'm just kidding. Uh, something happens. They yeah. stammer. Yeah. Someone. It's, it's got to be more than a dropping of a glass, but something occurs. They yeah. say they have a Freudian slip. Yeah. It, it tastes like some sort of mom to me. Ah, bread. And everyone laughs because yeah. they said it tastes like mom. And then they. And then they go back to the bit. And, and you're they don't like, exploit it. Don't. You got to. I know it feels weird. 
It's no, like no, putting no. on a wetsuit. I mean, a suit that's wet, not a yeah. wetsuit. Yeah, a wetsuit's fine. Although, Although sometimes hard. A dry wetsuit's terrible. <laughs> that's an oddly shaped a kind wet, of... wet, dry suit I have a rhombus-like body, and zipping it up can be awkward. You're a rhomboid. <laughs> That's a bad <laughs> Rhomboids. Rhomboids. But it, it's that going with that. And isn't that kind of what performing is? All that matters with comedy is fearlessness or perceived fearlessness. Like yeah. The lo- all the, as far as I can tell, an audience just doesn't want to feel nervous for you. Yeah. Or if they do, they kind of, that's where a lot of heckling comes from. They're just like, make this stop. Like, yeah. Like they, 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 their empathy right. is destroying their own evening because they are scared for you. And comedians we, who laugh nervously if the audience doesn't laugh at their yeah, bit, yeah. and th- in their head they're going, <laughs> "I don't care that that bit didn't work." But it's just like you're just laughing at your own bit, and we're not, and this is awkward right, and right, right. awful. And that fearlessness has to be. And the only times I've ever had trouble on stage is when I've for some reason got the fear, and I usually don't, which makes it worse when you do. But right. you just. If you drop the ball, you have to say, I dropped the ball. Yeah. And you pick it up and throw it at your own head. Yeah, that's I mean, right. you have to you know, be feeling. I have to tell the story, though. So yeah. I, I, I was in Peoria, which is funny because some comedians have an expression, which is, will it play in Peoria? Which I have to imagine there's a, yeah. like a, a sparrow fart town. Yeah. That maybe you guys use. Not that you're that, not. That's sort of towns I ignore, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Who, give a fuck if it plays. Who cares Peoria, if it yeah. plays in Peoria is, yeah. is a lovely attitude to have. Yeah. No disrespect to Peoria. <laughs> oh, no, I love Peoria. I actually write my stuff for Peoria. Uh, Richard Pryor and Sam Kinison are from Peoria, but oh, it right. is really. I've played in Peoria. It's, it's really like a. It's just like a regular place. Yeah. For lack of a better way to yeah. say it. Um, but I'm, I'm in Peoria. Uh, that's the whole point. You know, I've played Peoria. So I'm in Peoria with Bill Burr. And I, I, I was bombing. I was bombing every night. I actually made a YouTube video of it called Pete Holmes Bombing where I kind of do a commentary on it. Uh, and I, I'm eating shit. And I got off stage and, and Bill did two things. First, I wish this was a, a TV show right now because he had his hands and instead of clasping them, he was touching the tips like you were this yeah. instead of clasping. Yeah. And then he goes – and I go, so what do I do when a, a joke bombs? And back in those days, my jokes were like this. Like, do you think the phrase spill the beans originated in a situation actually involving beans? Someone like, hey, what's in that sack? Nothing. <laughs> beans. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's a cute joke. It's a good joke. Slightly it's, anti-comedy. Exactly. Slightly like we're laughing at this even though it's puerile. Exactly. <laughs> and it, no, exactly. But genius as well. And it's also kind of like. That's what you do. That's you have the microphone, and that was going for beans, and that was my opener. Yeah, Yeah. finally, someone's going after dry beans in a sack. Yeah, (laughs) and uh, and then I go, and then a cat (laughs) gets out of a bag. I want to see you do that in front of an audience. You can see it on YouTube. Well, some of the bit is on there. I think even in my boldness (laughs) at twenty six, I couldn't put the whole thing up there. (laughs) But uh, and then so I said, "What do I do when a joke doesn't work?" He says, you have to own it. You have to be like, well, that sucked, and then kind of roll with it, and then go into the next bit and get him with the next one or whatever. And that's fine. So then the next show, I do the beans. Beans! Zero. And I go, well, that sucked. Zero. Next bit. Like, I didn't have... It's kind of like you said. It's easy to talk this way when you have another shot in your gun. And you can go like... Don't worry about the beans fiasco. And then you do this amazing joke that you know will get them. But when you're starting, you know the feeling. When you're starting, you're kind of like, and I don't know if I can get you. I can't play with the ball. And I, of course, can just walk away from my stand-up and go play a fucking song where it doesn't matter whether people are laughing or not. Exactly. Because I'm giving them something else. And this is the cheat. But but 
you're better off just writing material that works better yeah. than, than getting really good at digging yourself out of holes. Right. But in the long run... When but, you get better, then love the hole unfortunately, you, Yeah, that's right. Unfortunately, you need the digging out of holes skills more when you don't have those skills. When you, when you finally acquire them, you don't need them so much because it's because you've got better. You know. That's right. But then almost time traveling back to that vulnerability is a very yeah. precious metal. It is. And, and, and if you drop your first ball, then when you're juggling five, they're more impressed. I mean, there is deliberate bad early jokes. I feel like that should be in a book of quotes. That was great. Well, I mean, that's a, jug- that's a total. Every single street juggler will drop a ball juggling three. Really? Without exception. That's Never heard absolute, this. And even magicians will, will blow an early, uh, pick the wrong card early, hmm. because they're basically making you go, oh, maybe this guy, oh, my God! You know, like... Brilliant. It, that's, that's... I had no you, idea. You always drop your first ball. Cute. And so that can work in comedy, Yeah, but you don't... Whereas an audience nervous that a juggler juggling chainsaws is going to drop it like he did with the beanbag early on yeah. is gold, because you want that tension... Whereas that tension in comedy can go bad. Is, you don't want them to think you're, de- you're poorly skilled. You can create tension by making them go, oh my God, is he really going to use that word? Or is he really doing a bit with the Quran? Or is he, right, really, right, right, right. Or is he really just doing beans? And, <laughs> and you can use that tension, but you have to have made them feel like you're a genius first. And then they're going, why is he, yeah. why is he not using that good? You know, like it's I don't like think skiing. It's a, you have to start at a high point yeah. to be able to benefit from the low point. Yeah, perhaps we can just keep doing metaphors for this. It's like we're trying <laughs> to explain something that's hard to use basic literal language. <laughs> yeah. So we talk about we're skiing. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I think. I think. Um, yeah, I think pulling yourself out of holes is is great fun. I tend to be quite aggressive. <laughs> I tend to do a joke. And if the audience don't laugh, I just go, fuck you, that's awesome! Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and there's lots of different ways to get your I don't know if you know who you're talking to, but that's 100% what I do. Oh, do In fact, great. the confidence thing, I, I've mutated it into a, almost like a grotesque I love myself. Yeah. Where I'm like, it, it's not just laughing at myself, although I do that sometimes, because I really love my own sense of humor. Yeah, you're hilarious. <laughs> but it's also just being like, I, I think it's really funny when a friendly guy, you yeah. kind of have to know who you oh, are. Oh, yes, you have to say, okay. And I'm a friendly yeah. guy. Yeah. And I, I just am. I, yeah. I, that's how I come across, yeah. better or worse. Even when I'm mean, people even are like, what a, what a sweetheart. Even when Give it's him. a mask. Exactly. Yeah. And I'm certainly exaggerating that. But when a friendly guy is rough with you, I yeah. think there's nothing funnier. No. And when the audience doesn't get that I think it's funny when a friendly guy is rough with them. But I love saying, like, if you're not laughing, you're not doing the work. You're not picturing yeah. it. <laughs> you're not meeting me halfway. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. you fucked up. Like, yeah, I came to play. And that, and that is also yeah. uber I'm alpha. doing my job. Yeah. Exactly. It's and, super alpha. But and it's all about status. The whole game is about status. The whole game is about Talking status. about a low status nice guy at Christmas party in a funny sweater, right. high status guy telling you you don't get jokes because you're too dumb. That's right. You know, and there's a million versions of that. My bare feet and weird hair and shuffly, um, slightly stammery, over intellectualized bits yeah. are sort of slightly low status in the face of my instrument and my fingers. Right. Which is a high status. There's you know, something. There's always a balance. We had the best seat in the house. We, Val and I were in the wings uh. watching, so we had a direct view of the piano, uh-huh. and we, 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 it was, I was just, it's been a while since we had seen spectacle. 
Mm. It's such a great. I, I'm, I'm partly paying you a compliment and also just bringing up the topic. It was so fun to see this red-haired hobo bang at the keys, mm. like r- nailing it. That's it. Put that on a poster. Dude, Let's go on to the red-haired hobo. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Let's put it on the poster. Red-haired hobo banging on the keys. I tried to make a joke in the middle, but it, because it was getting too saccharine. <laughs> but, yeah, I, yeah. but it was no, so fun, and we were just like, oh, at the end of the day. I am a, I'm like a monkey. I am a monkey, and I'm watching another monkey yeah. do a thing that I can't do. Yeah. And my little monkey entertainment boner is, is through the roof. Yeah. I, I love it. Yeah. It's so fun. This is why I like magic. This is why yeah. I like Bo. This is why I like you. Not, you know, you get it. Yeah, it's good. It's all good. <laughs> yeah, you just got to make some shit and offer it out there. Right. Although it is <laughs> odd. I, I, I've said to many people, and maybe you even know, like, how you get these things started. You had your show, and you started, like, I think about Eddie Izzard. And how you start th- that? I guess it's that scene favors having the show, the hour show. Because mm-hmm. when oh, you said absolutely. you got to come see me do an hour, I'm like, I'm glad you got to see me do my best twenty minutes. Like, yeah, that's, that's more that's, fun. For I me. think that's very, very different. I yeah. mean, in in the in the US, and this is a slight criticism, I guess. Um, and I could <laughs> then be you just go into uh, foreign uh, policy. I could, they just seem to have a very sort of colonial um, the. Uh, the tendency, it seems to me, and correct me if I'm wrong, because I'm sure there's other scenes. New York underground is not like this, and um, like the, the sort of Brooklyn-y gang, and mm-hmm. you know, Todd Barry and, and hey, uh, Kristen and all those guys. Hey, man. <laughs> I can't do Kristen. Uh, uh, and Eugene <laughs> and all those. Hey, man. <laughs> I can't. Um, I can't do but these people. That, that's slightly different and a bit more what I would associate as to, with Britain. And I'm from Australia where the, the right. scene is, so I'm, I'm not being critical particularly but i get the feeling that people want to do they want to get an amazing 10 and then get a tv show yeah like the, the you mean out the, here out here the stand i'm gonna tell you something minchie something great yeah are you ready i'm yeah. it's worth interrupting you're gonna you get a tv show yeah I, i'm here to give you a tv show oh great oh my god it's like secret millionaire <laughs> it's called red-headed hobo banging at the keys <laughs> and that's non-negotiable um, no here's the great is thing that's is a cat or a dog <laughs> What? That lives in that thing. There. Oh, a dog. Yeah. I just Why are you I started getting, getting so hay fever. I'm like, what is it? Uh, oh, there'll be a pet. And then I looked over and there was a thing. We're going to survive it. It's going to be okay. Uh, there's the memory of a pet. There's a vegan. It's a, it, there's too much, too much love of animals in this. I went to get a coffee at the vegan yeah, cafe. Yeah, next door. It just looks like, but I didn't read the sign. It, oh, a lovely cafe. And I yeah. walked in and, and all I want is a latte. And yeah. they don't have cow's milk. And it's just so annoying to be confronted with your own relative ethical paucity that early in the morning it's like <laughs> i just wanted a coffee and now i'm all cross with myself for hating animals yeah. and why would you rub that in my face you fucking really hippies funny what do you make it so do you feel conflicted about drinking cow's milk i'm a vegan by the way oh i have absolutely no doubt that that veganism is the right thing, intellectually thing it makes complete do. sense yeah, yeah i'm a i'm a theoretical vegan yeah definitely. there you go yeah well what, what fun a philosophical vegan yeah uh, the, the, you know, I think trying to get a balance between acting. Oh, by the way, don't feel on the spot. I feel like no, no, no I, this I, is I, my favorite conversation in the world. Oh, okay, yeah, I, I would I, much I, rather talk about ethics than comedy any day. Well, of the week. let's do that. And for I'm the rest much of the time. more boring about it. But I, that's fine. I watched your commencement speech, speech, and I was like, I want to invite all the Minchies, not just show <laughs> show Minchies. I want all the Minchies. So uh, preachy Minchie. I'm also fleegan. I'm flexible. I don't hold any any ideology too tightly. Do you understand? Mm-hmm. Last night I ha- I ate some sashimi. You know, like like fuck yeah. everything. It's okay. Like everything's yeah. okay. So I don't have. You're not with a militant. I just also am with you that I was like, this seems to make a lot of sense. Plus, it makes Especially me feel if nice. If you're going to be a vegetarian, 
and then you look at the dairy industry, it's very hard to ethically hold on to vegetarianism and not go to veganism. You I have that. noticed the vegan community, which I've gotten to observe as yeah. one of them, cloaked as they are, uh, have very little respect for the vegetarian community. Yeah, because it's like... <laughs> oh, Aristotle's a vegan too. Yeah. It's just like... We, it's just like, what do you, what do you, you think you're not killing animals because you're drinking? They also die. They're all dying. Yeah. Everybody's dying. And, and, and they suffer more. And they, See, and they I, suffer. I would rather um, a, a young cow frolics in a field for a year and then gets bolt in the back of their head. Right. And eat it. Yeah. Then um, have it on a its massively feet. drugged up cow in a pen with being a hole milked in its by a machine. Yeah. You know, like, I don't think milking cattle get a very good quality of life. No, they don't. Absolutely I not. I think they get a terrible... Well, they're job. perpetually kept pregnant, which is a yeah. weird thing to consider. Like, you just think cows are always kind of lactating, but they're pregnant cows. That's why they're lactating. It's for mm. the baby, you know what I mean? Yeah. So they're kept pregnant. Yeah. They have holes in their stomach. So they can, have you ever seen that where they just kind yeah. of reach in and they go like, oh, he's not digesting very well. Yeah. Just like a plastic hole always. Yeah. They're just like machines, yeah. And they're always on their feet and, and then they too are uh, killed when they're you know, no longer useful. And their yeah. babies are killed if they're male. So I think what I think, well, I think lots of things. And I think one of the things I think is that living ethically in the world is very, very difficult. The only way you can truly do it is to kill yourself because we're going to be consuming. And uh, Very true detective because we're uh, a virus on the earth. Yeah, it's, but, but all species feed off other species. I mean, it, it, we, we are the worst possible of all time right. um, in terms of um, consuming resources. And being a human is very hard to live ethically. Uh, and being a vegan doesn't make you suddenly ethically, oh, I've done yeah. my bit. I mean... You, every vegan is a hypocrite, sure. Just like I am, and every human on the earth who tries to do good, also with the other hand, is helping other people suffer. You know, like yep. I can give, uh, do a charity show and give all the money to people, and then I go and drive my car that was made partly with slave labor and that uses right. fossil fuels and blah blah. Right. So I think you have to sit on a continuum. Veganism is all the way down the animal welfare ethical thing, and that's bloody great. Um, and you can try and be that ethical in every element of your life. But, you know, a lot of vegans I know are anti-GMO, and I've seen no evidence of why in, in my entire life of reading about GMO. Really? And they think by being anti-GMO, they're being really ethical. But I think it's bullshit, because Greenpeace don't agree that Monsanto should give away the license to golden rice, which gives vitamins to poor people, which they've done they can't grow because of, well, or at least they're struggling to grow because of so-called, you know, it's GMO. complicated. Yeah, yeah. It's complicated. The hippies are stopping a really good genetically modified rice going to Africa. And by hippies, I mean I'm one of them in many, many ways. I understand. Know. Science is complicated. Ethics are complicated. I think you've got to find a place on the curve where you can live and because be good, you... good on an individual basis as well as a macro basis. So I think eating less meat is a really good thing. And vegans should encourage meat eaters to eat a bit less meat as one part of their activism. Mm. Of course, because... And all I want is for them to grow meat in a lab. As soon as they can grow meat in a lab and generate milk in a lab, I'm on it. I've got no problem with that. We've, yeah. got, to get, we've got to get that happening. But, <laughs> you know... Why can't we do that? They grew that ear on that mouse. They're getting there. It's hard. <laughs> the, 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 the meat they grow in the lab's not very nice at the yeah. moment. It yeah. doesn't have the fat, and the, unfortunately. The, but McDonald's is using it. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. Well, that would be brilliant. If McDonald's could just make burgers yeah. in a lab, Yeah. be brilliant. Yeah. But, you know, uh, I, I think I should be a vegan. Yeah. 
Um, but you, you know, but I it, don't think me not being a vegan and someone being a vegan means they're living a more globally ethical life. But couldn't agree more. But but they are at least doing something that it's a sacrifice. Well, it's hard to not fall sacrifice. into the despair. I was thinking about this on the way over. I was like, because you know, it's hard. It's like. Oh, if you're a vegan, every meal you're like save somebody had a statistic. Like every day, three fewer animals are dying because mm. of me. And I'm like, well, what are they doing? You know what I mean? It's yeah. it's it's, hard, it's easy to fall into that despair. Yeah. It's like, is that the one in the slaughterhouse that's like, we'll kill you tomorrow? Like, there's less demand. Like, I yeah. don't. It's hard. And then you fall into that kind of existential place where you're just like, well, who cares? Like, why do anything? Well, and and you know, it's the same with not. You know, you you buy a Prius. Yeah, I bought a Prius, and then it turns out that Prius is not very good for the environment at all. Is that or true? Well, no, they're, ter- they're they're very expensive to to environmentally expensive to build. You should buy a second hand car, but second hand cars put out more carbon. But the batteries of Priuses are impossible to dispose of, and they don't mm. actually get better mileage anyway. I've got a Mustang V6, and I'm very environmentally friendly because I just don't drive it. <laughs> you know, whereas my friend with a Tesla thinks he's green. But where do you think you're getting your electricity from, you moron? Teslas are steam powered. Yeah. Teslas are steam-powered cars. We burn coal to make steam to, build, to drive a turbine that makes electricity that comes through the grid and into your car. You have a steam-powered coal-burning car, unless you have um, solar, you know, solar yeah. and, the, and you're self-sufficient, but solar is very expensive environmentally to make as well, although that's definitely where we should be heading without a doubt at yeah. this stage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, it's complicated. The, the green movement stopped nuclear post-Chernobyl. Can you imagine how much better off we'd be? If the green movement hadn't stopped nuclear, instead of stopping it, if we had just made it incredibly good, and I'm putting aside for now, and I don't have all the arguments, the risk of weaponization and all that, but just, which can't be put aside, but, you know, if you could create systems that, like, third-generation um, nuclear plants are so much safer than Chernobyl, and even Chernobyl only went down because of gross, gross incompetence and lack of, and all that. Imagine how much less coal we would have burnt and fossil fuels we would have consumed if we had stayed nuclear in the 70s. Complicated, right? Yeah. The green movement are responsible for that. And I'm a greenie. But yeah. we have to take... We have to accept that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not... You can't wave a banner and not eat a pig and go, I've, I'm, I'm living... I'm treading gently on the earth, you know? <laughs> it's just not that simple. Right. And, that, and I use that sort of complexity to justify the fact that I'm a selfish fuck. Right. And I want to eat meat. Yep, and we want to take uh, planes to gigs. It's I take very, planes yeah. everywhere. I'm yeah. terrible. Yeah. I am the absolute alpha consumer, even yeah. though I try. I yeah. also know that recycling's almost a zero sum. Is you it? Know? Environmentally, you send the trucks around. What's driving those trucks? I mean, it's hard. Oh, it's wow. really hard. You've just put a real... But, you know, we should all recycle because apart from anything else, no. we're putting a system in I'm place done. that will... I'm done. We can then... <laughs> we'll be out of solar power. We can green power our trucks. We've we just got to put one thing in place at a time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got to work on technology, though. Technology has to save it all because individual acts of ethical sacrifice will never, ever fix the earth. You cannot yeah. ask humans to do individual acts of personal sacrifice. Well, it's funny that you, that's, you're fucking brilliant. Secondly... Uh, as a vegan, most of it, I'm going to come clean, most of it is that I like the way I feel. And that includes mm. a smidge, I don't, ta- I don't claim it too much, a smidge of being like, I'm nice to animals. That's a feeling that I'm chasing. Oh, it's all, uh, and of course, al- all altruism is selfish. Boom! Of course. Yeah, but nobody's saying that. Well, every, you have to admit that. Why, why, why do you help other people? It makes me feel good, so it's about you. Right. Uh, yeah, I guess. I mean, of 
course. We're, we're solipsists by nature. We can't possibly go through the but world isn't there something, satisfying can, can ourselves. Can't we, satisf- uh, can we surrender to that idea and be like, yeah, is that I've it? Got a, well, exactly. I've got a bit of stand-up that I've never really done, but maybe I will, but now I'm going to blow it, which is like, <laughs> it, you know, g- altruism is inherently selfish because whatever altruistic act you, you're doing, you're doing it because it makes you feel good. But it's better to be selfish by making yourself feel good by giving all your possessions away and teaching poor people musical instruments than yeah. making yourself feel good by ejaculating on the back of an eight-year-old tie boy. You know, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. just because they're all selfish acts, it doesn't mean they're equivalent. Yeah. And people who... People get outraged if you say altruism selfish, but it's fine that it's selfish. Right. We, it's good. Yeah. You're doing a good selfish thing. Not surrender. A bad. Surrender. Right? Just surrender. Yeah, it's all right. Just let yourself be a dirty, needy, evolve to be competitive, evolve to be greedy yeah. human. We right. are greedy. It's why we're all addicted to Facebooks. We're greedy for social interaction. We're greedy for food. It's why we're all fat. We're greedy for space and possessions and... We're a competitive, we've evolved. We didn't get put here, we evolved. And that, and evolution requires winning competitions, and winning competitions require being fundamentally needy. We're all genetically spawned from the, guy, the biggest oh, asshole. Yeah, the biggest asshole. The winners. But none of this means not being a good humanist. I mean, uh, quite the opposite. The, the more you face... The truth about humanity, the better you can be as a humanist. I mean, we can go right into it here, you know, the difference between, you know, being motivated by religion to be good and being motivated by empathy to be good, Hmm. I think is distinct and important. We should face the fact that we're alone in the universe on a rock revolving a minor star and blah, 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 and go, well, we need to tap into our human empathy, which can be encouraged through reading and, and understanding and try and move forward as humanists rather than going, you're going to get a reward in heaven because that's crumbling, you know. We need a new way to talk about ethics. You know, know, it's funny. When I uh, lost my traditional faith right after my divorce, very typical, you know, you could zoom out and be like, well, that's happening today with 40,000 people. That's, that's you know, conservative estimate. I remember I was with – all my friends are atheists, obviously, (laughs) because they're comedians. Uh, so I'm with these two guys and I had just let go of my, uh, what I call the lifeguard God up there yeah. on a high chair yeah. tweeting his whistle. Cause you looked at internet pornography yeah. or stole a bag of sun chips and we're checking into this hotel. <laughs> Bless. Thief. I never stole and I was never a Christian. Yeah, there you go. Well, this is what we're talking I'm about. I'm a better person than you. That's what we're getting Except at. You're a vegan. Ooh, it's close. <laughs> it's going to be a close call by the end of this podcast. Who's a better person? That's what it's all I'm about. I'm more rational. But it allows me to rationalize my evil. (laughs) (laughs) But we're checking into the hotel, and the snack station was unmanned. And I didn't. Unpersoned. So you're sexist as well as a vegan. Oh, boy. Human. (laughs) Unhumaned. Oh, don't pull out that. I did. (laughs) I'll go to bat. It was unhumaned. It was unhumaned, and uh, I didn't steal anything. But I said to my two dear friends, and I go. You know, I've spent my whole life going, you shouldn't steal because it says do not steal and because I want to please God. Mm. I had this very anthropomorphized idea of God as being a man uh, watching, rooting for me to not steal. That's a human uh-huh. emotion. Uh-huh. Caring yeah. whether or not. And being disappointed. And then being did. disappointed, yeah. which is strange. He's just a daddy. If you can, he's a daddy. Mm-hmm. Uh, Who's if, your daddy? If you, <laughs> Jesus? <laughs> is the idea that uh, perfection could be disappointed. I yeah. think that's an interesting uh, little head well, scratcher. That's, a, that's, yeah. that's from that's a, a problem. Epiphany from twelve. Or could be offended eight years ago. Exactly. You know. But even when I believed, I, I remember being like, "This is a little bit strange." 
But then they were like, you don't steal because you shouldn't steal. You steal the person whose shift it is. They could get in trouble because where's the money for the sun chips? Mm. They could get fired. Mm. We're all in this together. Don't steal because you don't steal, not because you get some sort of reward. So I'm yeah. obviously uh, I'm right uh, there uh, with you. Trying to tap into empathy, and I don't know how to do it, and please forgive me because these are things I think about all the time but don't put structure on and I'm not trying to preach or and I'm, I'm not trying to say this is how everyone should be, but I feel like empathy is the key to everything. It's why you're a vegan in a way because it's a sentient creature and you're empathizing with their suffering. And humanity goes wrong when it fails to empathize and we have a natural amount of empathy, but we need to encourage empathy, you know, and this goes all the way down. I'm obsessed by humans' ability to be empathic to a point and people's point is different. Mm. You know, People are empathic with the, the, those people in the church in South Carolina. They're empathic to them, which is interesting because 100 years ago they might not have been because they were a different colour. Mm-hmm. So we've come that far. But, but under the YouTube, under the article on, on the internet about that shooting, there is endless, endless, endless comments of that human scum needs to rot in hell. Mm. So their empathy has extended to the victims of the shooting, but not the victim who was the shooter, mm-hmm. who is a victim because who wants to be someone who wants to shoot people? I mean, he didn't make himself. Yep. So my empathy extends to the shooter, which is a difficult thing to even say because, of course, of course, I want, if, if, if one of my loved ones was in that church, it, it implies a lack of empathy for the victims of the shooter to say you're empathic no, for the I... shooter. But you have to go all the way down, all the way down to pedophilia, all the way. That's right. And every time we fail to be empathic to any human, we, we go wrong. Yep. So our inability to be empathic towards pedophiles stops us having programs to help pedophiles. Yep. And can you imagine how many people we would be helping if we, and this stuff, I can't, I, I've got ideas that I won't even say because I'll get quoted out of context, but it, we need to deal with the fact that one of the types of sexuality you can have is this terrible, terrible urge that hurts people and it's we need to, not to help them. Yeah, is, is linked to a, a, a literal malfunction in your brain. Of course, it all, it's all neurology and even if it's not neurology, it's experience. You didn't make yourself. You're not right. the person who gave you your genes. You're not the person that gave you your experiences. If you had their genes and, values, and their experiences, yep. you would have shot too. That's right. There is no soul. There is no God. There's just people who are different versions of fucked up yeah. and we need... Where we don't empathise, we fail. I understand why we don't, because the compulsion is to vomit and punch them. That's right. But, but that's your animal. But that's your animal. And right? Do you understand what I I'm can't saying? Be, that's not course, your highest self. Of course it is. Yeah. I can't be empathic to the person who sexually assaulted a loved one of mine, hypothetically. Yep. But I can be empathic, and we as a culture have to be empathic to people who aren't close to you do terrible things it's our job to and stop and that's the idea of the court that's the idea of uh, an impartial and this brings us to the internet and how disgusting it is please you know the, the uh, way we treat each other lacks empathy because we're removed and we think we're a tiny drop but we're not we're uh, part of a mob there you go yeah you know it's so funny like I'm not trying to wind you up or get you on a big atheist rant I just think it's as I mentioned all my friends are atheists yeah and I love them I delight in every thought you have. You know what I'm saying? I watched your, your beat poem, and it lights me up. It gets me really excited. It's meant to be inspiring. The it's trouble with religion, and I know 
asshole atheists and I know lovely religious people. The trouble is, by definition, in my opinion, religion requires you to block certain lines of thinking and allows you shortcuts around these difficult, difficult questions. Which if we're you both, believe in can, evil, I, I have to interrupt and just say I completely agree. Keep yeah. going if you believe in evil. If you believe in evil, then that blocks what I've just talked about. If you believe in evil, then you can say, then you can support the death penalty, without a doubt. But you know what's so funny is like, the more I study it, it's one of my fascinations because of how I was raised. Mm-hmm. Partially, probably, maybe even because of my genes. Who knows? Mm-hmm. I am so fascinated with it. And when you reduce it, which is all I'm about, it's yeah. one of my big passions. It's like, can we? What is past the myths and the metaphors yeah. and and the rituals and the rites and the ethics of it all? What are we getting at? And I see more and more things just pointing to things like you're saying, a- empathy mm. to to that person. They're, they are dressed up elements of humanity. That's what I'm saying. Mm. What, the, the spiritualized way of saying what you said is to say the spirit of God, the creator, the yeah. universe, the single point yeah. th- that expanded into all of this is in the shooter as well. Yeah. It's, uh, and it's much more uh, Eastern than it is Western spirituality, yeah. but it's like, I, this is, I, I wish I could remember who I'm quoting, but it's this wonderful poem. And he's like, I'm the toad sitting on the lily. I'm also the snake sneaking up on the toad yeah. and eating it. Yeah. I'm both. Yeah. And when you have that intense empathy, seeing everything is one, not a god somewhere else yeah. watching, blowing his whistle, not an easy answer, yeah. evil, the devil made him do it. Yeah. We're here. And when you say, isn't this enough? Yeah. My mystically leaning spiritual lens goes absolutely. Yeah. Completely vibrating. Sorry to be so hippie with yeah. what you're saying in your way. I wouldn't change it for yeah. the world. Do you understand? Yeah. And I, and, I just and hear what you're saying of, being spiritually true. There's a lot of beauty in um, humanism, and and there's beauty in all different worldviews. The, the trouble is, what we want is ease. What we want is to alleviate our anxiety about being human. We want something that shortcuts. Hmm. That says, that person's bad, which makes me good. I'm a vegan, therefore I'm good. Um, which I, and I'm not, I mean, I wish I was a vegan, but I'm not, I'm not being critical. I'm just saying... You're not eating meat In right fact, now. vegan's not you a great example, because vegan's actually hard work, right? I'm vegan at the moment. Yeah. yeah. Uh, this had almond milk, milk in it, because I got it from... You, you are vegan. Yeah. Uh, I'm temporarily vegan. Everyone's temporarily vegan. You're going to be dead soon. And um, everyone's precancerous. And don't going. worry, those bacteria will eat you, so you'll get no karma on that score. But, but you know, it's like... Is that an expression, no karma? No karma. Like Ar- you karma. Oh, karma. I thought karma. that was a yeah. You Australian, people hear comma. Yeah. I thought you were saying like you won't break yeah. a thousand. Yeah. Right. Yeah, you no won't comma. get a comma on that score. No, no comma. You just made an expression. You won't you... have a karmic. The, the the microbes that eat your body won't go. Oh, he was a vegan. We better leave him alone. That's right. Um, it it's infinitely complicated, and we are progressing slowly towards better ethics. There's absolutely no doubt humanity is going in a good direction in many places in the world and in a terrible direction in a few of them. But, you know, it's like that death penalty, that death penalty question is really interesting to me because I actually, there is, there is a, I could argue for the death penalty within my um, empathy-driven humanist worldview because of greater good for the greatest number. So ethics has to be about, in the, in the upshot, the greatest, numbers, good, yeah. the greatest good for the greatest number, which is very, very, very difficult to pass. Um, but 
but there is an argument within that philosophy that you, if you kill someone, like in some ancient tribes or like um, uh, less uh, civilised, in inverted commas, um, tribal groups, um, if someone does something wrong, they kill them immediately. If someone hurts someone, they get put to death immediately. And it's demonstrable that the family of the people who are the victim feel better because in their culture that works for them. Hmm. It's, so, it's what we call the sling blade phenomenon. Yeah. Did you exactly, see sling blade? Yeah. Sometimes you, just, you don't want a trial, you want a cold sweat. Yeah. That movie is so deeply appealing to exactly what you're yeah. talking about, yeah. is you want a simple, impartial yeah. man to come in with a, a lawnmower and blade and just solve it. And it, you, so, so there might be a version of a society where to kill a person who kills uh, makes the people, the victim's family feel better and guards society from further uh, crimes by that person. Uh, and and potentially people hear that he was killed and they don't do it because they, they don't, don't want to die. And, 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 that, and, and we don't spend a whole lot of money keeping the person in a jail. So you could argue for it. As it happens, it doesn't work. Hmm. It makes all of us worse. It doesn't make the victim's family feel better. It doesn't make society feel wholer or safer. Or it doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Killing people doesn't work. I just mean it theoretically could. I have no firm yep. goalpost. It's an exploration. Ethics, humanity, being good in the world is an exploration. My kids will think I'm bigoted about something. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it is because I'm pretty freaking liberal and I might be wrong. Maybe they'll think I'm too liberal and be bigots. Right. <laughs> but, <laughs> but probably my kids will, there'll be something where I'm like, oh, really? Yeah. Like, I don't know what it will be. Yeah. Um, but I'm certainly... Uh, Willing to accept that I'm just on a line. I'm on a journey with the rest of society to try and figure out how to be. Right. And uh, my personal belief is the sooner we get rid of all religion, the better. But that's a small, <laughs> a small detail. It actually isn't the point. It's just a, a quirk of my my worldview. And, and when actually, I want to take that back, where, but I sort of don't. Which part? You the want to get bit rid about of one. I don't. I don't really want to get rid of all religion. No, I just think faith me. is a poisonous idea. And when you say faith. I mean, We're, any belief that doesn't can't be corrected by further evidence. See, okay. I'm, I'm defining it in my terms. Are you going to define it? No, no, no. I, I'm only going to celebrate what you said. I think when you talk about... I had Brian Green, the astrophysicist, uh-huh. on this podcast. You got all I, the cool kids. I know. I was giggling. And, and then and, me. <laughs> <laughs> I was giggling and, and had yeah. chills the whole yeah. time. I loved it. And when he specifically, as you did in uh, your beat poem went on about how science will adapt and spin on its heels mm. and carve into its own cock and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. And I was like, that <sighs> applied to, let's not even use the word uh, spiritual, but the exploration of the mysterious, I yeah. suppose. And I'm not talking about psychics no, and no, ghosts. No, no, no. I'm talking about the hum, the, the, the feeling that I have that there's something going on behind mm-hmm. what's going on. Mm-hmm. Astroph- uh, quantum physics is also exploring that in, in another way. Mm-hmm. But that sort of uh, thing of like, you know, I run into problems with some of my old friends where I go, this part of the Bible needs to go. And this part has some juice in it. Yeah. The idea of a man dying as a metaphor to his humanity and rising to his divinity through pain, there's juice in that for me. I think there's something to the story. When we have people clinging to it and going, God said it, I believe it, Mm. that does it. I'm completely with yeah. you. That sort of faith going, I don't care what the evidence says, I believe in, let's say, the power of prayer, one of your yeah. examples, uh, then, then that, that needs to get out of the way. It's just, 
Yeah, I, I agree, and I, I personally think love thy neighbour. You know, as you love your golden rules, probably what you can get out of the Bible. The rest is, it's it's there's so much, there's so much in the Bible. It's an incredible text, um, historical literary text. It's an amazing collection of stories that we should have a look at. But we're so far beyond it, which isn't to say we're doing what Jesus said we should do, which we still should be doing. But it's not like that was the last time someone said something interesting you about see, that. You know, that's, like, that is a nut you've uncovered of one of my passions as well, yeah. is uh, Christ came, became a realized person, yeah. had incredible compassion, yeah. incredible empathy. Yeah. If he existed. To, but, if he existed, But absolutely. the story, the, the character the, of Christ. The character yeah. of Christ. What an amazing I, set of philosophies to be talking about that absolutely. long ago. You know? Uh, Ramdas hypothesizes that when he was getting nailed to the cross, he was looking at the guy nailing him with compassion. Yeah. Like that, yeah. that's what we're talking about, a realized yeah. being. The problem with my problem with religion is that we've spent our time celebrating and worshiping and, uh, and kind of talking about what a great job Jesus did in waking up so instead of waking my up kids, ourselves. My kids know more than Jesus did. <laughs> what do you mean? My kids know more than Jesus did about everything, about the the stars and the planets and what humans are sure. about about genes and and compassion and, and some of it is received through that judeo philosophy from back then but it's all re- received from all sorts of places and shakespeare said a lot more interesting things than jesus ever did obviously i mean it goes without saying kurt vonnegut said so much more interesting stuff than jesus did uh, as did douglas adams and richard dawkins you know because we've received all that and now we've moved on we're much 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 more educated it doesn't mean we're doing it right right but that text if, if I believe, and this will get me in trouble, that if the Bible disappeared tomorrow and we never read it again but everything else remained, it wouldn't matter. It's all there. Well, the reason I think it, it, potentially to go with you it wouldn't matter is because the story keeps getting told over and over because it's the human story. Because it's the human story. There's nothing unique in Christianity. And, you know, I disagree about the... I don't, no, we don't disagree. It's just a slightly different lens on sure. the same thing. The, the crucifixion is yet another sacrifice. The idea that someone needs to bleed for us to be happy. But that which was, is, that's what, what it got turned into. Yeah. I really think the that's what it got The idea of someone dying into. for your sins, I find. Jesus never said, I'm dying for your sins, though. That was Paul. But, it was but, later. I know, but Jesus never said anything. Did, were you raised religious? Is all, that why you know all this stuff? It's all soul of Tarsus through the lens of the Emperor Constantine. I mean, it's bullshit. <laughs> Nothing Jesus said would be anything like what well, we read. I mean, even if he existed, absolutely. do you think what we're reading? I mean, how much later was Saul? That, that's what I'm saying. And how much later was the, were the Gospels written and all that stuff? What's so, the meeting with, with Constantine? That meeting where they decided what was true and uh, what wasn't? Nar- I mean, nar- Narcissa. Something. Uh, uh, what is it? That's terrible. That Council of Nicaea. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's crazy that we think Absolutely. that it's received. From but, here, but it doesn't mean it's all bad. The, well, what I'm saying is I, when I was a child, I used to wish that there were reporters with cameras and tape recorders around Jesus. Mm. And now I think, why? And <laughs> ruin God. it? Yeah. Like we, It's a story. It's yeah. a story. It's a yeah. story. Because you saying your children know more than Christ uh, or Jesus, um, to me, is that I'm like, okay, in their minds. Yeah. And this is where we're, we might differ, but I'm talking about like in your heart. You can't break out of a prison that's made of thought with more thought. And I'm talking about realized beings that are, are stepping outside of their rational minds and their egos and seeing something I know if a there's way. ever been any, you know. I mean, uh, there's all this stuff about spirituality. I don't know. They don't. You had glimpses you know, all, of it, All those though. meditative people, all the, I don't think the 
Dalai Lama or no, let's not bring up individuals, but I I don't I don't think there's been more insights from so called spiritual or realized beings in the last two thousand years than there have been by totally materialistic scientists brains. In fact, quite the opposite. I think all the wisdom of the last two hundred years has come from materialists. That's a crazy claim. But most I know of what it, you're you saying. Know, I like, hear I hear what you're saying. The people that you read that the, the Carl Sagan and the Douglas Adamses and Vonnegut and um, Voltaire and um you know that you go back and all the people who said they're most interesting, liberal, forward-thinking, progressive, pro-everyone things, none of them had, none of them, they, they, they're just like, we are going to die and we should be good while we're on the earth. I mean, it's all, mm. we're going to die soon. You just turned up to this party. You know, my shitty allegory is you go, you find yourself in a party. You don't, you don't know how you got there. You're surrounded by people and, you know, doors are locked till midnight. What do you do? Do you trash the joint? Do you try and get all the booze? Do you, you know, sexually assault people? Do you, you know, or do you just try and make sure the party's fantastic and everyone has a nice time because you know you're going to leave at midnight? Like, mm. it's so simple. Yeah. And I don't, you don't need to feel like you're hum- humming, you don't need to misuse terms like energy and vibration and all this stuff, which are actually terms made by physicists who don't believe in that right you know people talk about quantum oh, qu- yeah the quantum the quantum world is you know it's an indication that there's lots of stuff we don't know and, and there's stuff going on that we don't understand yes 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 it's incredible and i don't understand it it's an incredible isn't the world an incredible space an incredible place but no quantum physicists are buddhists i mean statistically none of them they're all <laughs> materialists yeah why aren't the quantum physicists talking about spirituality like and why do we need to talk about spirituality and what does that word mean and when we say our heart the heart's a pump so we don't mean our heart when we say our soul i don't need a soul to be to feel i don't feel the need for the thing called the soul because i can't identify it i feel like i should discard it because i love my children so much it makes me want to weep and i feel empathy for people so much it makes me want to weep and i want everyone to smile and i love music and art and the ocean and sunsets and why i say why you know man-made myths and monsters in my poem i i want to know what and i I genuinely want to know or maybe i'm it's hypothetical uh, i mean rhetorical why why do we need these words that have no earthly anchor like spirit why why do we need them what's wrong it's, isn't this enough? What's wrong with because me and you being flesh sacks, feedy flesh sacks that puppets? happen to have created, have uh, to become conscious and be able to observe the world? This is the stuff that Brian Green gave you shivers about. I'm probably less able to articulate it. But, no, no, I love you know. it. I think there's something about the ununderstandable, mm-hmm. or the ununderstood, ununderstood. Because I don't suppose it's there's anything that's ununderstandable. I mean, it might be. But. Well, ununderstandable in this way. I'll put it this way. Mm. This is the analogy I've been, or, or the uh, reference that I've been enjoying lately, is your inability to fully articulate what it feels like to be Tim Minchin, mm. the universe inside of you. Mm. So you take that experience, the random flare-ups of racism, the random bouts of horniness, that suddenly you're craving uh, a latte, all, all that stuff. 
is happening in a microsecond, every, all the feelings. And we, you know, we're making a sandcastle underwater and we make it into a thing and we go, that's Tim Minchin and then it washes away. And you're trying. So you have all these feelings and I know you do because I do. Hmm. And then you try to send what that feels like to your language center mm-hmm. in your gray mm-hmm. matter mm-hmm. and it dries up in the process and you go, I feel horny. Yeah. When really you were feeling 50,000 things. Yeah. The primary thing was that – so your inability to put into language uh, how you feel in your body, mm-hmm. just your personal experience, mm-hmm. is where we get metaphor. I'm so hungry I could eat a horse, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And our inability to describe – You wouldn't, a, though, to be clear. <laughs> an ache uh, of, of something going on behind what's happening, behind MRIs, behind splitting atoms, behind quarks and sub, 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 sub atomic particles – Something happening, and I'm not talking about an order, and I'm not talking about mm-hmm. good things happening to good people and bad, mm-hmm. what all that sort of mm-hmm. stuff, or an afterlife, or or ethics. I'm talking about a singular point mm-hmm. that then big banged. Mm-hmm. What was that thing? Why did it want to exist? Why does it exist? All those basic mm-hmm. what is it questions. We run out. Of, we I don't can't. Think it wanted to exist, but I understand. I understand. I, understand. I just anthropomorphized yeah, I it. Yeah. I just made it into a yeah. thing, which is well, what which motivated is, it to exist, or what energy drove it to exist. Exactly. Or? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm not trying to be the guy. Well, where that did the goes, energy come from? And is Lawrence Krauss right? Is it a universe from nothing? And how the hell do you get your head around that? You right. Know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But my. But then I'm saying mm-hmm. also the inability to articulate your inner world is is f- similar to our inability to articulate. Something that you're just kind of like, something is happening. Mm-hmm. That's all I got. Yeah. Yeah, and, and really, you end up splitting hairs, to use a metaphor, um, <laughs> in that someone who has my exact worldview but has read more stuff from people who uh, want to evoke a, a language, a metaphorical spiritual language... And then me, who's read more stuff that just discards with the necessity of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, the same person with a different bunch of rhetorical tools. You and I are basically the That's same right. person with a different bunch of rhetorical tools. I was just going to say. Except that. Not except that, but and or I, I think there's... I still think, and I don't think it's better or worse or whatever, and it doesn't matter anyway, that... And it's condescending, but being brought up as you were from very young age with a story and then discarding that story, it might be less attractive to you to, to leave absolutely nothing. Mm-hmm. So you want the rhetorical tool set that religion to save the baby. gave every, yeah, a little bit. Whereas because I don't have any, I have no identification with um, the idea of a, of a spiritual story, I find the use of non-specific language to describe that indescribable, indescribably complex sense of self. I find words very um, troubling because... It's like people go, oh, for me, God is just the oneness. And I'm like, well, don't use the word God. Have you noticed how that word gets used? Yeah. Have you heard anyone yelling Al-Akbar recently? Yeah. Where is that word used? Like, let's get rid of that word. It might really help because you're confusing the conversation by saying, well, God to me is. No, right. God, right. God has been a lot of stuff. Let's maybe let 
God to me is go and just stare into the abyss of the absence of God. How about the void? The void, and a void is a metaphor. But it, I mean, and a an lot abyss of, is a, a lot metaphor. of mystics and a lot of atheists love talking about the, the void, void, the great nothingness. Yeah. This is why I get a Zen tingly feeling when it I is. hear you speak. It's good, and, it, and it's good. Bless. It might be. No, it's true. It might form into an erection given, <laughs> given time. Might. But, but I want to. You know, when people talk about spirituality, there's something about it that irritates me where it doesn't irritate you and not irritates like i'm annoyed but irritates like a no skin, i understand a skin what you're saying because does, you're having imp- empathy it's for loaded me. up yeah it's it's loaded with some stuff that because consciousness is an emergent property of neurology if you're a materialist like me so i believe that this is brain is just an organ it's it's incredible and almost inexplicable but consciousness and the sense of self is an emergent property by mm. which i mean if you cut the bit of the brain, there is no dualism. There's nothing, there's no self outside the brain. No brain, no self. Consciousness and self are emergent properties and probably illusions, really. Certainly you can do experiments that so easily replace your limb with a fake one and you're like, oh, that's my limb. And like, right. we're, we're, we're funny little robots, but, <laughs> but uh, I, I get no, you know the buzz you're talking about, the, yeah. the, the hair standing up on the back of your neck. The juice. But the juice of someone talking poetically and beautifully about what it is to be human shakespeare does it yep for me when it's performed right perhaps the most and and he uses all sorts of metaphor but interestingly not much god and um and uh and sagan and people who talk and yet as soon as i lose my boner as soon as any of that language which has been um, carried over yep. from, especially here in California where everyone wants to be a bit spiritual. Uh, spiritual to me is not, there's no positive. It's there. a boner it's killer. Inter- it's a boner killer. It's yeah. interesting. Because I, I just think, it, and I want to use the word love though, you know. Yeah. yeah. And maybe that, that means I'm being persnickety to an absurd extent to, no. to allow love but not spiritual. No. Oh, you are speaking to a, a mass of people, that, myself included, that you, I have more words. Accountability is a word that you wouldn't even know that I can't stand that makes me want to throw Oh, really? It means like you're struggling with pornography and I yeah. go, I'll, I'll be your accountability partner. Oh, right. I see. Yeah, isn't that uh... gross? And God is up there too. It took me a long time to uh, come back to a place where I was even okay speaking about Christ. I, I, I was in a... Uh, I, I, I hate to say it, but I was in like a kind of like a shitty mall, like a poor area. <laughs> so, yeah. And I saw the book section and it was all God wants you to be healed. Ten tips God wants men to know. All this all this like God the problem solver, God mm-hmm, the mm-hmm. lottery ticket. And, and it really – God the life coach. God the life coach and, and buddy God, buddy God yeah. the, the prosperity gospel. Yeah. He wants you to be rich. On he a wants massive you to be heavenly segue. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't know why he's on a yeah, his hair flowing. Yeah. He's got to have the hair. It's flow. just easier like this. But that idea, I got a lot of work to do. Letting the the Eastern idea of the void, of yeah. the beautiful non-resistance, yeah. non-identification, and just seeing the good and the bad all seems very similar in line with the atheist. Is all like this is what it is. Yeah, this is what it is. Do any of them? Who has? Um, materialism at the core of it, or is? Ma- Excuse me, is materialism necessarily a non-spiritual state? So, but, yeah. And I'm probably misusing the term materialism because it means different things. Um, or maybe I just haven't read enough. But, but I, by which I mean meat robots. Yeah, meat robots. Um, 
born born from nothing into nothing, or at least born of atoms uh, coalescing and then dissolved from atoms coalescing. No remaining consciousness, yeah. no hope of reincarnation. You know, yeah. like I, I, one of my songs, "The Fence." You know, it talks about um, the Dalai Lama. Um, and it says the Buddhist line about future lives is a perfect way to stop the powerless rising up. You know, like I'm going, Buddhism's nice. It's called the fence because it's about like mm-hmm. both sides being being. It's, it's a song in defense of the fence. It's about not necessarily landing super hard on one side. And Buddhism's nice, but you know, the the Buddhist monks were not good to the poor in many times in history. And also, of course, the philosophy definitely supports satisfaction with. Uh, uh, your lesser state in the hope of a future greater state which is not going to come. So it's a lie to stop the pe- people maybe not to stop but has the function of stopping people who in this life are suffering from expecting too much more. It's funny and, and in the Western, going back to the Council mm-hmm. of Nicaea, there's a lot of people that point out that like reincarnation stuff from the Bible, the Gospel oh. of Thomas, for example, was taken out for similar power and control sort of things. So you kind of make these different religious course, cocktails yeah. to deal with the masses that you have. Uh, Completely agree. And part of me, you know, when I said earlier I think religion should go away, the reason I sort of retracted it is because I know religion's wrong about the nature of the universe basically it's incorrect not wrong as in immoral but incorrect so there's right and wrong right there's right and wrong incorrect and correct and right and wrong as in morally right and wrong i am absolutely sure and it's completely evident to anyone who reads enough books that it's incorrect about its um depiction of the universe the world is not as it was in the bible i'm talking about traditional religions obviously yep but it doesn't having a system by which people are told a myth in order to maintain order, is not necessarily... I mean, the humanity's in big, big fucking trouble. I, I personally hope we can move forward into a humanist period where the damage that, that faith and stuff does and has always done with the, the unfair distribution of power and, and just lying to people and promoting hate and all that bad stuff that religion can do. I'm hoping we can move past it, but... I might be wrong. It's very, very possible that once the planet's got 50 billion people on it, that massive myth structures will be the only way to stop constant war. Mm. I don't know. I suspect education's better, but miseducation might be better than no education. I mean, that's what religion is, right? Yeah, you've given this a lot of thought. That's really smart. I haven't. I'm just, I'm literally just fucking talking. But, you know, <laughs> like, great. but maybe it is. Maybe you're keeping, you're story keeping it in the tool belt the going like, maybe we should lie to these motherfuckers. Yeah, well, I, I don't like these guys I don't like built it. like a giant flaming pig. I'm pointing <laughs> to nobody and they have spears and this guy is an AK. And they're all and tearing all each other apart. Yeah. You know, maybe yeah. let's tell them. But you're talking about fundamentalism and ethic based religions. Yeah. Literal religions, yeah, and and again, you know, yes, I know, I, I know, I know. No, no, no. And, and I'm by talking the way, about religion. It's a, it's the we always get accused we atheists of building a straw man of religion, but that's another conversation. I actually think you're speaking about the bulk of it, absolutely. And, and you know, about I, I, how religions pretty much been. Yeah, that's right. Which is power structures with telling people lies about the nature of the universe. But, yeah, sure. <laughs> and it's that was lies. A weird noise. It's lies. It's well, the, lies. It doesn't matter which way you carve it. Every priest ever to speak about God was lying. Interesting. I mean, I don't. Maybe lie requires intent. 
but they, they say, you know, I have communed with the Lord, and they haven't. They just haven't. Hmm. I prayed last night, and God said to me, no, you didn't. You're lying. You're lying now from a pulpit in front of lots of vulnerable people. <laughs> you're in a frock, and you're telling a lie about what happened last night when you prayed, because do you know what happened last night when you prayed? Same as every night before. Tumbleweeds, cup of cocoa, and bed. You know? <laughs> The prayer was the and now, part. And, uh, and now you're just you're telling other people that you spoke to God and it worked for you, and now they think they should, so they're going to tell their kids that they spoke to God and it worked, and everyone's just caught in this utter de- delusion. That's yeah. the power structure of horseshit, though, yeah, yeah. that I agree with you. That's interesting. That's a bit radical, that little rant. But it, it is interesting for me to try and go through all the religious people I admire through history and look, look them in the eye and go, you, you, were, you were lying. Martin Luther King Jr., you were lying. That's so funny. I was just thinking about him. What an amazing, amazing, intellectual, brilliant man. And so using the word lying is deliberately provocative, but it's an interesting thing, right? When he stood up in front of his church and said all that stuff about God, he, he hadn't talk to God. Did he claim to have? Mm, isn't it inherent in every sermon that you're sort of, maybe not, maybe I'm, maybe I'm straw manning, I probably am, you know. But I've he, certainly been in churches where they're like, I prayed on this and this is my conclusion. I understand. But that's just metaphor for saying I meditated on it. I'm being, I'm actually being a bit childish about it, but it's an interesting idea that every person ever to say that they heard the voice of God through history has been bluffing. Unless you consider... <laughs> Yeah, we're almost done. Holy shit. Yeah, it's gone a while. It's so long. I'm so sorry. I, there are some people out there listening to this who'll think this is the best podcast ever, and then a whole bunch of people are like, what a tool bag that uh, mentions. No, 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 no. You're so nice. I am? You're very nice. Oh. When you talk, you're, whereas I have this slightly nasal sort of drawling kind of uh, <laughs> preachiness. Ah! <laughs> Unless, I'm just, uh, this stuff doesn't, like when I ask you about your origin story, it doesn't really interest me. And there's no me trying to convince you. I'm just putting this to you to yeah. see what you think. If you think that quieting yourself and listening to your own inner self is a piece of God in the way that I'm a piece of God, and getting rid of the not word. a lie. It's uh, an interpretation of something that, that we disagree on the semantics of. That's right. Mm-hmm. But I would say that in my experience, I've run across very, very, very few... If any people that are like God told me that we're supposed yeah, to yeah. do this sort yeah. of thing, I mean that, that's a mentally ill, you know. I do want to also put this to you: is that like I'm like I'm kind of sitting here and I'm like I'm one of those guys that believes in something more, but I'm also potentially uh, aware of an ego death, meaning I die and I have no awareness of my consciousness going anywhere or doing anything. So when I die, it is just lights out, which is obviously what you would well, think. It's indistinguishable from utter death. So what's the difference? <laughs> That's that. See, I'm trying to find the common ground between the weird mystic kooky, mystic kooky guy yeah. and 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 someone who's done so much more reading than I am. <laughs> well, I don't think so, and I don't think you're weird mystic kooky. I think you are finding a, a semantic playpen within which you are comfortable to talk about the meaninglessness of existence. Yeah, I like that. I mean, and you were right, very astute to point out a psychological and deep connection to because I'll, I'll get even more kind of psychoanalytical and be like, 
My mother is who taught me religion. I have this deep. So the person who gave me unconditional love and from whom I came oh taught me religion. Oh my god! And I don't. I love yeah. your mum. Just yeah. knowing you, like I don't want your mum to be hurt, and I don't even want to tell her she's wrong. I mean, yeah. I love your mum already. <laughs> your mum would be ace. <laughs> but I have, oh. I have a need. <laughs> You're gonna fuck my mum. I have a need to reconcile these things of course which you do not have but going back to the shooter or at the church it's like finding the empathy for everyone and going I see Pete struggling with the meaninglessness uh, meaninglessness of life yeah coexisting with his fundamentalism yeah and coexisting with his Partly uh, my pleasure of enjoying the idea that there's more. Mm-hmm. I'll admit that mm-hmm. just as I mm-hmm. admitted when I'm a vegan, I feel better about myself. Yeah. I feel better when I connect to the oneness or whatever. Yeah. You, yeah. It makes me it's better. A, it's a lovely idea that you can bathe in a bit. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And on the way over, I mean, I thought it was funny. I, I'm kind of like listening to kind of like hippie music and, 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 and feeling love for you. I know that's kind of strange to think. I'm, go- I'm, I'm going to the podcast with him. I want him to feel welcome. Yeah. I want him to shine. I want him to leave and feel satisfied. Yeah. This is my spiritual practice. It's, yeah. not, it's all in my mind. Sure, I- I'll yeah. concede that, but it's this work that I'm doing. And there's a psychological and there's a historical and there's a material reason for mm. a lot of it. Uh, and that's why I'm over here looking in the caves going like, I think there's some meaning here. And, and there's you in, in the other cave going like, I think there's no meaning here. It's lovely, and, and, and I mean, it's genuinely lovely without that sounds twee, but and it's Im- important that everyone finds a way of being which allows them to be primarily good to those immediately around them. Right. It's, if we could just sort that out, that'd be amazing. Yeah. And then secondarily, good to those outside, you know, and, and perhaps tertiarily to animals and all other yeah. sentient beings, but whatever it takes. That's whatever it takes. Can we increase some compassion? Yeah, exactly. Except that taking note that certain philosophical structures allow one to excuse behaviors which are non-humanistic. Absolutely. Like faith, faith is, Nazism was faith. Yeah. It was non-questioning acceptance of a, of a creed, of a, absolutely, of a, of a set of beliefs, but, uh, and so is homophobic Southern. Yeah, people Baptist are getting killed and, today yeah, yeah. Uh, for being gay in certain parts yeah. of the world. So, but, so we need to find which. So, there's a difference. Sorry, that there's a difference between understanding that certain philosophical structures allow for um, non-compassionate behaviour because it allows you to remove yourself and other other people. And religion at its worst does that, and Nazism and other political or socio-political structures allow you to other to to disconnect your natural human empathy, or at least not enhance your natural human empathy. There are certain philosophies that I believe we should be educating our children out of, which I think requires um, that um, critical thinking. Yep, that is distinct from saying that if we get this philosophy, we'll be fine. That's right. Because humans are very, very complicated, fucked up little monsters and the earth is a very complicated, fucked up little ecosystem and we're not going to solve it by teaching everyone critical thinking, hmm. which isn't to say we shouldn't teach everyone critical thinking. Mm-hmm. I, I'm struck when you're, when you're speaking of the idea of, I, I think, deconstruction and reason and, and lighting your brain up in, the, in this beautiful, rational way 
is uh, completely essential. Like if that's if that's your trip mm. to bring you to more compassion mm. is wonderful. And I'm not saying I, I want to be very clear that the alternative isn't. I'm not advocating anybody go out and believe a lie. I'm not advocating the guy that goes like God said. I believe it. That doesn't yeah. necessarily. That can be his trip. That's fine. Yeah. I'm talking about the weird ethereal guy over here, and also the kind of like this is horseshit. This is yeah. lies. You're lying. Whatever brings you to more. I think so. Grace, compassion, And I don't peace, think patience, my kindness. way of being uh, is by any stretch some shiny example of how to be a person. In fact, I wonder on an individual level whether I need, I'm sure I need to, now that I've stopped my hips too sore and I used to distance run all the time and that was my meditation, I, I'm, I could do with having music that I play in the car yeah. instead of always listening to physics podcasts. I could do with <laughs> some space. Yeah. I, my mind is busy, and it hurts. You know, right, like, right, right. Like the world hurts me, and I, the world hurts anyone who reads about the world. It's awful if you've got empathy, yeah. unless you're a psychopath. And yeah. I would like to have some hippie music in the car. That makes me feel like I'm going to meet this person, and I'm, I hope that we have a generous, loving time. I, and I could uh, use some more physics. I would like, <laughs> and you could do some freaking math. Um, but, you know, it's... Uh, I think I think it's all. Um, it is the conversation that obsesses me. Ethical, yeah, conversation. I mean, even even to the extent that it informs, hopefully, on some level, all my art. My musical Matilda is all about mm. this stuff in, in which I'm dying a couple to see. of I'm couple dying. of layers down, and yeah, you know, I want to start writing comedy again, but I'm trying to figure out how to write and talk about what I'm interested in now without becoming a sort of nauseatingly sort of preachy, you know, that I do feel like I, I, I have the potential in the next 30 years to head towards a sort of George Carlin-esque mm. musical comedy sort of type, but he's a particular type of genius that you can't... Mm-hmm. I won't be. Just you know? do it. Just do it. Just do it, man. I just mean... I don't mean that in the most right way. I just mean like... They'll come out. They'll yeah. be there and they'll love you and you're at that point and, and, and you have the advantage. You like going up for strangers, but you now have the advantage of going up for some people that yeah. will know you and they will be like, I have to do something. Hear it out. Yeah. Hear it out. Even if you do get preachy, even too preachy for your fans, hear it out. Yeah. I also want to say I thought it was very uh, interesting that you just mentioned you like yourself and preaching to be like yourself. I, I'm trying to write a book and I was writing this, this phrase that I thought was very important. I was like, I... I'm not at all saying anyone should be more like me. Yeah. I can't in full confidence sell you on being me because I'm filled – as much mystical certainty as I find or study and find, I'm filled with fear and doubt and anxiety and I wake up often going, who am I to even broadcast my feelings mm. to other people and, and possibly contaminate minds or, or, or hurt people or whatever it is. So – I'm with you, man. We're all trying to figure it out. We're yeah. all trying to figure but it out. You should write a book and you should have a podcast because the world is full of information that people are letting wash over them and a lot of it is um, bullshit and <laughs> and they think we're bullshit and stuff. But you've yeah. got to make sure that basic humanist ideas are – and although a lot of my stuff is very sardonic and sarcastic and satirical – I think mostly, and the reason I want you to see my full show, yeah. which, by the way, is more like two hours. Um, is that right? <laughs> the orchestra show, which you can watch on Netflix. Is yeah, like, no, uh, I'm going to. Over two hours. Um, uh, I think it's optimistic, and I think 
more than it seems to me, although I know humans always think they're in some interesting phase in history, <laughs> it seems to me it's pretty cynical at the moment and we're going at each other. And I think any life philosophy that says that that um, preaches compassion and, and a sense of optimism, even though optimism's hard in these days when you've got all the information mm-hmm. at your fingertips. But I, I, I think... Uh, I think it would be sad if people like you felt like they shouldn't talk. You know. <laughs> no, I appreciate that. Because the, the assholes are talking. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so good. You've had like, it's not your intention, but you've had like nine, or tw- nine to 12 pull quotes that are just so nice. <laughs> Put them on a meme. Put them on a Send meme. Send them around the internet <laughs> attached to a weird photo of me 11 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you said something in your uh, commencement speech that really sounded it it not only sounded like something i've said it is something i've said which is define yourself by what you love not not oh, just by what you hate yeah be pro stuff i really thought that was great good and i i talk about that on stage and i'm just like people's uh, uh, development arrests and they define themselves by going miss karen sucks yeah and they realize that that gets them friends and a sense of identity and then they never stop they're 40 and they're saying that the hobbit movie was too long and you're like i'm drowning i'm drowning please just, just tell me something that you like. I mean, and I've got to say, it was just a little too long. What was? The Hobbit movie. Oh, it was too long. <laughs> you know? No, I know exactly that, what you mean. It's and another so thing, tiring, and you find yourself doing it. Yeah. I mean, in my speech, I was like, oh, I'm, sure. I'm doing this, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I am an idiot. Just- but see, that's something I consider a mystical teaching, which I say mystical because neither of us like spiritual, which is not resisting and not identifying, meaning it's not that I don't rant against The Hobbit being too long. It's that I observe it. I, I, I don't identify as the guy that hates everything. And I'm okay changing my opinion or being like, I liked it, or, or hearing yours and, and being soft butter, moving and yeah. changing, and, instead of being like, I'm the guy that hates everything. Do you know what? All this stuff's easier when you've got a good self-esteem. That's the trouble. Isn't that funny? You know, like, it's so much easier to be kind and compassionate and self-deprecating when you're winning. Yeah, I know. I think that's that's absolutely right. Which is a you know, and and this is a type of privilege, right? You know, capital P privilege, which is half the internet conversations I see are people calling out other people's non-identification of their privilege, and it's a useful term, but it's a little overused. But one privilege we have is we're okay, and we are um, we're win- we're we're winning. Yeah, we're, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're white males. We're wealthy uh, in. Uh, relative terms that have any meaning whatsoever. We're um, educated and um, we have jobs and we weren't abused as kids, as far as I know, yeah. or if we were, um, we've found a way past it or whatever. We, it's, 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 although I, I really feel like your voice needs to be heard, positive people's voices need to be heard, educated, optimistic people's voices need to be heard. You know, it's easy for us, right? And it's and our audience is kind of probably quite close to us. And uh, how do you put something positive into into the world at large, where most people are not not, li- not listening to podcasts and haven't been they haven't had the advantages of education and hmm. maleness and whiteness and wealth? I don't know. You're fucked. <laughs> You failed, Holmesy. Does anyone call you Foams? I've gotten Foams. Yeah, Foams is good. <laughs> I just jumped right into Minches. First time I saw you, yeah. I was like, I Minches. I had heard someone else say it. 
feel, felt right. Well, you're wonderful. And uh, I want to end – we always end on this. Uh-huh. Uh, because we always talk about God at the end, and then mm. you, you need a palate cleanser. Nobody wants to leave on that note. And uh, so there's a series of questions I can ask you. I'm looking at that piece of paper. One of them that I love is to ask uh, the hardest time you've laughed, but oftentimes the guests will blank. <laughs> yeah, I blank it. Any anecdote you ask me, I've got nothing. It's like when I sit at piano, people go, play a song. I'm like, yeah. oh, I've got nothing. Don't know a song. That's interesting. Um, well, don't, don't, even, don't even try. It's always with my siblings, though. Is it's that right? always puerile. Well, I'll tell you, going back to Brian Greene, he's one of my favorites. He said when he was like eight, they made a pizza, and before they cooked it, they picked it up with their hands and they threw it at each other. Yeah. So it doesn't have to be a good story, yeah. but I always remember that one. Are you going to talk about me as many times as you've talked about Brian Greene in this podcast? Yes. Can I be your favorite for the next <laughs> I'm frankly sick of Brian Greene. You will be my new go-to uh, uh, rationalistic, uh, what, materialistic. No, you should stick to Brian <laughs> No. Materialistic, yeah. But tough. more, more of my guests will know who you are than Brian Green, probably. <laughs> if if they want to talk to me about, okay, I feel it right now. The meaninglessness of life. Uh, when you go to bed at night, yeah. you lie down. Do you tell yourself a story to fall asleep? Is there any sort of ritual mind game? Oh no, I read a book until it falls on my own face. Is that true? Yeah. What do you do so about the I light? I have to really struggle because I really like reading books, especially if my friends have written them as soon as they come out. And I'm, so I end up with hardbacks. Yeah. And it's a nightmare because I, I tend to lie on my back. It either falls out of my hand sideways and lands on the floor and annoys my wife. <laughs> or I read till I fall asleep. And then in the moment afterwards, I just lean over and yeah. hit my light. There you go. And so I, I fall asleep, then do the little adjustments I need to then fall asleep properly. I see. And it's... It works for me. I'm a good sleeper. But if I'm struggling to go to sleep, lying in the dark, and I really need to go to sleep, and I've read for as long as I, you know, it's time, I don't don't have a counting sheep or a story. I have got better at saying that's not a problem for tonight. And it's one of the most powerful things, especially as a parent, when you have, in the middle of the night, you just, the loss of your children seems like a reality. Yeah. You know, you just can... I can get myself all, all panicked, and I've and the same with shows and other things that cause me anxiety. Um, I, I've got good at saying, That's not- "If this is a real problem, it'll still be there in the morning, and that will be the time to deal with that." And it's very, very empowering to be able to just let go. Is that spiritual? <laughs> it is spiritual. <laughs> it's really not. I mean, this is the favorite- point. It's just a, it's I know. a thought exercise, and I guess that's my point. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's my point. <laughs> Is <laughs> because I always say what in this moment is lacking, and that's a Zen teaching. What in this moment is lacking? So you're projecting into the future. Yeah. You're worrying about something very real. I'm sad that Buddhism's been done because I think I would have enjoyed I it. I could have done. I could have made it. It's it's a good. It's a good. Everything is nothing. We're yeah. all fucked, but it's okay that we're fucked. Kind of place. Yeah, you'd enjoy it. Yeah, <laughs> I, I've got a lot of very yoga friends whose yoga is attached to something like various that. East and stuff, and and. I was like, you should do yoga. And then I go and like do that speech. And they're like, this is just like, your speech is just like yeah. sort of a Buddhist thing. And yeah. I'm like, well, then why are you telling me I have to come and do it? Like, uh, I'm, you've got I'm, it. I'm doing all right in my own sort of way. Like, everyone's like, you have to come and be, but I'm doing it too. Yeah. You have to be yeah. more like me. You should yeah. let go of that stuff and be a human. <laughs> it's amazing how you can hold those two thoughts. It's like, I don't think the world should be like me. Oh, you guys should be like, think what I think. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. It's yeah. weird how we You do should it. also be person- such yeah. narcissists. I know, and I catch myself being an idiot 50 times a minute. Yeah. It's all the time. Yeah. I think we should do something silly if you're up for it, and it's not that weird. Uh-huh. Um, 
Do you want to uh, fake laugh until we start real laughing? I need to know that, though. I need that recording for my film. There's a moment where they get hysterical and I really? it's really hard to fake. I I wonder if you're going to be the guy, because we do this sometimes, if you'll be the guy that just has no problem wa- fake laughing and never merging into a real laugh. Okay, let's do it. I'm already almost laughing. <laughs> I believe that, too. Um, you raise your hand when you start real laughing. That's how we'll know. <laughs> Is that real? That's 100% real. We haven't started. <laughs> I was just laughing at you considering <laughs> what's about to happen. Okay. So we'll start... Uh-huh. Stupid, and then Ooh. and then when you start, <laughs> but you you laugh so freely. I I don't know when I because I'm terrible at corpsing. If I'm acting, yeah. Um, on what's corpsing? Corpsing is when you accidentally laugh. So if I'm doing a serious scene, yeah. in a comedy, like on 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 stage, you rehearse it and rehearse it and rehearse it. And it's fine. Same with stand up. But if I'm doing a bit of telly stuff, yeah. And um, I'm acting with a talented comic actor, and they're doing dead eyes at me. I just laugh every time. <laughs> Which is weird because somehow in my life I've sort of trained myself to be that dry guy. Yeah, I don't. I don't think. It, I don't think I always was. I think at some point I thought it's cool to be the dry guy, and now I, I love how much you laugh. And <laughs> I don't know what. I, I don't I know. Don't know. <laughs> my dad always. You're says. like a Buddha. You're like a smiling Buddha. <laughs> there you go, being Zen. But again. I, I really love funny stuff. But I just put. It, I'm like, oh, that's funny. Like he, I love it. I'm getting a lot of joy out of. Yeah. You know what? Uh, nah, I'm not even going to talk about it. Let's just we'll play okay. It. Let's laugh. It'll be yeah. Let's laugh. Ready? But you're, you laugh. You laugh. You're gonna. You're, gonna, you're laughing. <laughs> I'm bad. Right? I, I just you're laughed. Choosing. I just laughed. I just. But the the actual fake laughing will stop you laughing. That's exactly right. Because I'll be focusing. That's the irony. That is the irony. Ready? I was bad. Well, I so I'm not cracking up. But yeah, that was it was a real. It was a real laugh. Made me laugh. You go again. <laughs> 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 my brother, you. my brother. It was you going My brother, ah. <laughs> my brother does. <laughs> <laughs> like a <real> laugh. <laughs> <laughs> that was wonderful. <laughs> Minchies. See ya, bro. Thank You're you for wonderful. having me. Everybody go see Tim Minchin. That's what I'll say. Go, what, what have I got to sell? Yeah. We'll put it in the intro. Yeah. Just, you know, go see consume Matilda. some of the prod- yeah, pro- yeah, product. Yeah, go consume it. He's got a 57, or he had a 57-piece orchestra to pay for. Yeah. <laughs> Would you say, uh, this is how we end, uh, the guest says, keep it crispy. Keep it crispy. <laughs> or in a Kiwi accent, keep yeah. it crispy. Yeah, that's good. How come you don't have it with, I'm sure everyone Why don't I have it. an accent? Yeah, an Australian accent, yeah. I do, you do. It's just I'm West Coast and I lived in London for eight years. There you go. West Coast is rounder. London rounded it further. Interesting. Yeah. I'm glad we covered that at the end. I also, had to do what a Northern you... Irish accent in a telly show. Recently. Is that really? Yeah. That's the only accent I can do. Although I didn't do it, do it very well then. I can do a bit of Northern Irish, but I've got to work on my American because I keep getting freaking auditions and Let's I'm hear like, it. yeah, no, I haven't got it. I mean, I could, you know, I, we're bathed in American culture, so I guess I've got something, but I haven't. It's weird how it changes the type of actor you are. I've got to find my yeah. American accent. Like Colin Farrell on True Detective. Yeah. He does a good one. Yeah. It's very good. I got a great coach. So Do you? Yeah. I'll so I can't coach you? <laughs> yeah, can you coach me? I want no, to sound no, like no. foams. Yeah. <laughs> I want to sound like foams. Oh, I'm honored. Good. <laughs> All right, uh, you already said keep phones. it crispy. We're done. Keep it crispy. <laughs> <laughs>
gifted. I'm so crispy. I'm so crispy. My ice can't make you haters wanna get me. Now leaving Nerdist.com. Thank <laughs> you.